A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Mandalorian Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is our coverage for the finale of Season 3 of the Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian, Chapter 24, The Return. Not only are we going to talk about Episode 8, but we're also going to discuss the season overall. And to help us do that, we've invited our friend and yours, Elisa, in Amsterdam. First, we're going to give our quick takes on Episode 8 before moving into our scene-by-scene breakdown. After that, Alicia will join us, and then we'll consider some feedback. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast because we have a couple of big announcements to make, along with programming notes about the remainder of April. Season three of The Mandalorian may be over, but you can always jump on our Discord to chat with us and other like-minded folks. We have a great community. Find the link to our server in the show notes or on our website. And since we've got a lot more Star Wars projects this year, hint, hint, Ahsoka not included, the Star Wars email will stay active. So drop us a note. And we'll include any of those emails on whatever podcast come next. Star Wars at thelorehounds.com or use the contact form or voicemail feature over on our website, thelorehounds.com. A quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us directly, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. For just $3 a month, you get ad-free versions of our podcast, early access, occasional bloopers, and more. Don't forget to leave us a rating, or better yet, a review on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help other people find and evaluate the podcast, and the more people listening to us, the more podcasts we can make. All right, John, we've got to get right into the episode since we've got a long discussion with Alicia after this, but... I just wanted to remind, or not remind folks, to let folks know, maybe check your schedule now and keep some time open on May the 6th. That's two days after Star Wars Day, which is May the 4th. We're going to have more information at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. John, real quick, what is your hot take for episode eight? Well, I think that I, I, we already recorded our Alicia interview and I went way deep into my thoughts on the season, so I'll save that for then because there's plenty of that later. But as far as the episodes go, I thought good, not great. 
You know, I thought the action right. was really well done. I thought there weren't enough character moments for a season finale, but the character moments that happened did mostly work for me. And uh, I, it got me hyped for next season, of course, which is what you want from a season finale. It yep. did feel like we got somewhere by the end of the season, which is something that yep. I was deeply worried about. And so is everybody, honestly, looking at this season. We had two episodes left. Nothing had really uh, happened to move us towards the end game. And then suddenly we were there. We were here at the end game. So they did do a good job. And I don't feel like it felt rushed, which is an accomplishment for them. And I'm proud of them for pulling it together that way because it very well could have been, well, and we can't wait to go to Mandalore in season four. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It was a good episode of television. It wasn't great. There's a lot of things you could nitpick on. I got confused. Like, why did Grogu show up to save Din? Like, where, where did he come from? I don't know. Like, there were timeline things and some other stuff. But, you know, I just went for the ride. And I think that's what we set out at the beginning of the season. We're just going to enjoy it for what it is. And that was great. Um, all things being equal, I had a lot of fun this season. And I had a lot of fun with this final episode. The feels that I got from a couple of the final scenes were really good. And so I, I felt satisfied. Yeah, n nits to pick, but I don't know. I, I it's, it's hard to um, balance the show in some ways as well. And I know some people aren't satisfied, and that's cool. And I get that. And I think in our community, I think that's one of the things that we want to foster is everybody's got the, these little takes and, and, and that's cool. And I get it. But if you didn't like the show, then you're wrong. <laughs> right. You know, just like Bo-Katan was wrong. It's true. Uh, I, where I was at though, at the end was very satisfied to having the Mandalorians working together and there were no heel turns. There were no secret spies, any of that kind of stuff. So I, I was really happy for that. And uh, I'm, I am excited to see season four and I'm even more hyped for Ahsoka. Uh, I really fingers crossed that that's going to be a good one. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David, bring us through your callbacks before we go into the synopsis. Yes, just really quick. Uh, Rick Famuiwa, who is the director of this, who directed the last episode. I did not know this uh, until now. He's now an executive producer on this series. So he's just elevate. He's been elevated okay. up out of that directorhood to an EP because they're shifting focus over to Ahsoka. And that's great because I think Rick and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and a few other directors are, are really doing a great job. So that's really cool for him. We don't often see directors elevated to that de degree. That is great. Um, you may have a little bit more reference on this one. I didn't really have a time this week given sched life schedules and stuff. But the pre in a previous episode titled The Spies, um, apparently that is a reference to uh, Hebrew history and refers to a group of people who are sent out to do some scouting and some searching ahead of the, the main group. And so spies may be, it's plural in this sense, but, but I think that's what caused some confusion because we had everybody fan theorying all over the place. Was the armorer a spy? Was Axe Wove a spy? Were the survivors on Mandalore spies? And I think it just may become, it just comes down to a grammatical error. I don't know if you did any more research or reading on, on this topic. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the story of the spies of Israel, which is that Moses sent 
a group of, I think it's eight, I could be wrong about the number though, a group of eight spies into the promised land to see what's going to go on. Uh, I think six of them say it's terrible, we'll never do it. And then two of them are like, no, no, we're fine. We don't, we, we'll, we'll be powerful. We got God on our side. And those are the ones who are rewarded in the end, are the ones that, that right. kept faith. Uh, maybe, maybe the two are the people who stayed, who, who never got off planet, right? Maybe, that's, right, right? maybe that's what we're trying to say. I don't know. I don't think it's a one-on-one. I don't think it's one-to-one. I think uh, it, it may be inspired, but not, uh, not, not really a direct adaptation here. No, and I think it's just a grammatical uh, twist of fate that led us all to run off into these crazy fan theories about what was what, and none of that came true. Uh, there were no other, you know, secret spies among the Mandalores. So anyway, that was an <laughs> interesting, fun thing. We had a lot of fun theorizing. The Dark Troopers, Super Commandos, Jump Troopers, the white armored guys that Gideon created, they're not droids. They're some sort of humanoid. I don't know if they're clones or not. And I can't, I couldn't figure out when I was doing some internet reading what these guys are actually called, whether they're super commandos, because that was something out of Rebels, I think. Um, the dark troopers were these droid creatures. And then somebody somewhere came up with the idea of calling them jump troopers. We're just going to call them commandos, I think, for this show. Does that work for you? Or That sounds good to me. Okay, yeah, because when I was doing the episode breakdown in the... Or they are dark um, troopers. They are dark troopers, because he said, I've created a new generation of dark troopers, and they're even better now. Right, but they're right? not droid... Dro- the, yeah, but they're not droid No, no, they're not, but I think, I think... Wasn't it something like the original dark troopers were not droids, and then he had a droid generation, and now he's got a non-droid generation? He just seems to be flip-flopping here. I'm all confused about it. Yeah, I couldn't I don't know. We're not gonna. We're not going to figure it out tonight, man. <laughs> So it's, uh, whether we call them super super trooper commandos or dark troopers or jump troopers, whatever, it's it's really neither here nor there. The bad guys. So right. um, you, I think, are going to be reading our synopsis today. So I am. take it away. I am. We open right where we left off last episode with Bo and the other survivors escaping through the tunnels. Bo contacts Axe Woves, who is jetpacking his way up to the fleet. She exposits on the circumstances and the stakes for the episode. And then Bo and Casca Reeves fight a rearguard skirmish against some super commandos. Yeah, not much here. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Cool effects of Axe flying up on the surface, but didn't they already set some rules for jetpack range? I mean, the there are distance no rules. from ground, there are ground no rules. to atmosphere is a long way. Never mind you, the ability to reach escape velocity. You you, know, you're out of cereal, David. You're out of cereal. Out of, uh, refill the bowl. Give me a box. Stat. I need some blue milk and a box of cereal sent to my house immediately. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, cool visuals. I loved seeing Axe flying up through the clouds. It was it very reminiscent of old sci-fi stuff like rocket man you know early early black and white serials not speaking of serials right very cool the explosion cutscene to prisoner din being dragged by two dark troopers din tries to kick ass but is literally fighting with his hands tied grogu saves din in the nick of time din tells grogu that it's time to stand and fight and to deal with gideon once and for all david where you at on this uh, was this Grogu's first kill? I don't know. I certainly not not overall because you know we know he did the genocide of the frog people. But <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he had to do something during the Clone Wars or during. Well, probably not because he was a he was a he wasn't even a Padawan yet. He was a young yeah. thing. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't have been allowed to do anything at it. It might have been his first kill. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I Visually, this scene was really interesting with the explosion, cutting the scene from the, the previous, and then this POV camera work where we actually get vision from inside his helmet as he's being dragged, and we got a bunch of weird close-ups. And this was some real, uh, I don't know, was this sort of, Mandalorian Krav Maga stuff, but he was throwing some really cool moves, kicking guys' feet out and and doing kind of rolling around. I mean, all that armor is heavy, and it's man to like man combat. It's what? It's man to man combat. Oh boy, <laughs> that one's I don't know. That one's maybe a six, five point five. All right, all right, that's scale. fine. That's fine. I'm all about quantity, not quality. Right. Uh, but Grogu was just hilarious here with the back to spray, just like, you know, spraying him down. Right. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I, th- I thought visually and action-wise, it, it really set a tone for the rest of the episode. Definitely. Fun scene. I liked seeing Grogu in action. I liked, uh, I liked him using his little buttons again. Yes. No. Yeah. 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 And then, but I did like that when it was an emotional moment, he laid off the buttons and sort of nodded. You know, I yeah, think that that yeah. was that was meaningful too. Oh yeah, the head nod and little blink. Yeah. that was really really good. Yeah. Grogu and Din, sort of father daughter, father uh, uh, father, father daughter stuff. Oh boy. Yeah, sorry. I have a daughter. I was just put my daughter to bed. So you know, I. That's yeah. okay. We get the title card next. I see you have a note here. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, on, on all the title cards, I've noticed that there's a variation in the title music. Um, which really reminded me a lot of Andor, which did the same as well. But every mm-hmm. episode, yeah. there's a, a, a different vibe or a tonality to the music. I don't think it adds a huge amount. I just thought it was interesting, and I like to see them playing with these uh, different type of kind of production aspects. Right. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it, there's as many vibes as there are vibes of uh, Paz Vizsla's dagger. <laughs> Good try. Right. Quantity. You're going for quantity. I tried. I tried. Bo and company reach a dead end, and Din calls in to t- say that he and Grogu are safe. The survivors say they know a safe place, and they jetpack out onto the surface, while a squadron of interceptors and bombers launch from Gideon's underground lair. This was really visually cool, you know, seeing the... Um uh, interceptors drop down and then you know shoot out and and launch at the same time that the uh, Mandalorians are launching up out of the sort of crack in the surface cave that they were uh-huh. uh-huh. there and I, and it really does foreshadow a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen in this episode. I, I don't know about you, but I was totally suspecting a trap that like the survivors were going to you know pull. This was going to be a heel turn for the survivors. I could have seen it, but I, th- I think it would have been cheap if they did it, and I'm glad that they didn't. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm glad you, and I'm glad that there were no heel turns at all. But I was like constantly on my, um, uh, my own heels waiting for you know, something untowards to happen. We've been trained to expect a red wedding around every corner. Exactly. We really have been trained. I thought it was interesting that the jetpacks were um, universal. 
they had universal mounting points and he was able to take one of the super troopers uh jetpacks and use it just as well so yeah yeah he had fun yeah we get a classic star wars screen wipe to take us to the next scene of moff gideon examining a hollow map of his underground lair a commando enters to report that the interceptor squadron is on the way to take out the mandalorian fleet gideon tracks din and grogu on the map and says he will take care of them himself. Ooh, Gro- uh, Gideon is really full of himself, huh? He's like, oh, I could take down the Jedi and the, uh, the the expert Mandalorian, even though he kicked my ass last time. Uh, yeah, we do. We definitely get to see in more into his uh, his super ego. Uh, he really does think he's the bee's knees in all of this. And why? See, here's something that bothers me though, and and it's a nitpick, but if you got your ass kicked by him last time. What has mm-hmm. changed? I guess the armor has changed, but you also yeah, don't have did- the dark saber. I mean, you. I don't think that you have as many points as you need to feel confident in this fight, especially since now you know Grogu's with him. Well, he's super fanboy Darth Vader going on here, even with the voice modulation. Um, right. And it seemed like his suit was like power armor, because every time he moved or did something, there was like a... Um, right. So maybe he just thought he was, you know, up armored and would be able to to actually handle him this time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he did put emphasis on the gadgets of the Mandalorians later. So maybe he thinks that that's what gives you real power. And he has. Yeah, exactly. He has his own gadgets. He had that staff and a, and a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, that's a good point. I, right. I, I don't wonder uh, how much the Reddits have taken apart that map because they left that map up on screen for like a long, long time. Uh, and I was like, hmm, does it say something? Is there some sort of, you know, are there any Easter eggs in there? Uh, Good question. So who knows? I, I haven't gone to the Reddits to, to take a look. And neither have I. Din and Grogu stealth their way through the tunnels. Din calls R5 to enlist his help in getting a location for Gideon's command center. R5 flies into the base and scomps into the mainframe. I had no idea what scomp was, so I Googled Oh, I was waiting to use the term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I learned about that term in Jedi Fallen Order, which I think somebody was talking about that in our Discord, Discord, which is they they heavily use that because you have to earn that upgrade to get your droid a scomp link so you can open more doors and stuff. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that that's sort of how that got ingrained into my brain. But now I see it everywhere. That's that's the original, you know, R two D two linking up into yeah. the into the uh, the interface. I think it. One of the things that I really like about uh, podcasting in the Star Wars universe is that if you have a question, the answers are out there. I literally put in "scomp Star Wars" and I got volumes of information oh, yeah. about what a scomp link was, and so. Uh, for having been just a casual movie fan and then trying to, you know, deepen my lore and and knowledge around all of this, that has been a really great boon. The internet has been a a big help. Uh, I did think it was interesting that Din was sweet talking R5, like, Hey buddy, I need you. How you doing, buddy? Good job, buddy. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. I thought you hated droids. He's really come around on, on his droid, uh, attitudes. In a way, and in another way, he's willing to beat up somebody at a bar. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and just use, you know, God knows what, what would have happened, what, what challenges R5 would have challenged. I mean, you would have no idea 
and yet he's sending him into uh, this dangerous situation. So Right. So Axe reaches the fleet and orders all available forces to the surface, leaving the cruiser as a decoy to draw in the fighters as the rest of the Mandalorians reinforce Lady Kree's on the surface. As the transports drop into the clouds, the interceptors rise and Axe fights a desperate battle against superior odds. I loved seeing these, uh, you know, the the Corm class cruisers, you know, the transports dropping down and then seeing the interceptors shooting up and the visual effects of the cloud wisps, the sort of the trails as the interceptors, you know, leave as they climb out was gorgeous. I mean, if you're into spaceship porn at all, this episode had so much going on. Uh, I, I just... Yeah, it was it was sumptuous. It was a sumptuous feast. Absolutely. Looked great. I, I loved loved every minute of it. It really was. You're right. It was a visual feast here. There was some great it was really cool too to see when the interceptors were attacking the uh cruiser. It was green on green, right? It was green laser bolts mm-hmm. shooting at yeah. green laser bolts, you know? And usually we know that the green incoming fire is the Empire stuff. And there was another shot, I think it's Kalivala. The planetoid or planet Kalevala in the background. So as the ships drop down and the interceptors come up, they linger on the cloud atmosphere and way off in the distance in this sort of moon-like shape. I'm guessing that's uh, Kalevala. So it was just really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Kalevala. We ain't going back there anytime soon. Din and Grogu reach the command center and the laser-shielded walkway. R5 disables the barriers one by one as Din battles his way against the commando guards. R5 is confronted by the mouse droids. Din and Grogu make their way into the next chamber of horrors. A dozen takes of Tanks of Gideon clones. This really felt video gamey to me, like you have to defeat one enemy after another and you can change your weapons and power up oh, as yeah. you go. Yeah. You got to pull certain I mean it's like your tabletop games too. You got to you got to pull just enough enemies where you you're not taking too long, but you exactly. want to pull you want to pull not so many where you're overwhelmed as a party. The um did you get like um obvious well to me it was obvious, but did you get the duel of the fates homage that this had? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got. Yeah, he had a better outcome than Qui Gon, thankfully. <laughs> a lot better outcome. Uh, a really funny little moment. I don't know if you caught it, but there was a trooper that was falling backwards and did try to grab the knife out of his throat before the guy fell off the cliff uh, or the walkway, but mm-hmm. missed him, and so he had to go in again on unarmed. So, really amazing fight choreography here, and yeah. the pacing was really, really moved. It was really impressive to see what they were able to pull off on this episode. And I like that when Gin, when Din was prepared, he was able to use his knowledge of the weak points of Mandalorian armor, of Beskar armor, to take these people down without having as much trouble as he did the first time because he wasn't surprised, right? He was, he was able to say, okay, well, I got to aim for the neck here. I got to aim for the underarm here. I got to, you know, it, it was, it was really yeah. well calculated. It was really great. And using a knife on those weak points as well, those joint points. Right. And then taking the knife off of one of the one of the dead troopers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did, yeah, did a great job with that, the choreography, like you said. And that's one of my points from a previous episode was when they were first, when the Mandalorians got down to the Great Forge and they were first attacked by the troopers, 
you know, Mandalorians are training from childhood in this armor, and so they would understand where the weak points are and uh, how to use their jetpacks and all that stuff. So I thought that, and granted, element of surprise, and we have to have some rising tension here. It's the high a, ground. <laughs> yes, but a Mandalorian against anybody else who's not Mandalorian but wearing Mandalorian armor, it doesn't stand a chance. Does not stand a chance because these guys are training all the time for these weak points and stuff like that. So right. anyway, whatever. Right. More cereal. Pour me some more cereal, damn it. Bo and the other survivors drop into a surface cave teeming with life. The survivor captain explains how they planted farms and have kept the indigenous species alive. As they discuss the persistence of life, the armorer radios with the update on reinforcements. David, this is something that is interesting if you've watched Rebels, because in Rebels, Mandalore is pretty desolate too. Like they, uh-huh. the, the surface does not have a lot of plant life, whereas it does during the Clone Wars. And uh, that that's why it's not it's not just the purge. It's at, it's actually, Bo is like, wow, we destroyed this land and it can still support plant life. And they're like, oh yeah, we found some, you know, life finds a way kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting because Bo did say that. I've never seen things growing outside of dome, you know, that, that weren't in the domes. Right. So I didn't pick right. up on that. I, I heard the line and I was like, oh, that's a curious line. Um, and so that makes sense now, the, the way that you say it. Uh, yeah. Very Star Trek II, uh, the, the uh, Wrath of Khan, where they've, uh, spoilers for that movie, they hollow out a moon and, you know, life persists. And yeah, that, that whole vibe there. It, it Felt really cool and and gave us hope for the future of Mandalore. Right. Final point on this one. This is where I finally gave up on the, uh, when, you know, was there going to be any heel turn? Axe is committed to fighting the rebels. You know, the, the armorer is going to radio in here. The survivors didn't lead him into a trap. This is when I finally relaxed and said, okay, we're a yep. unified force and we're going yep. to go in and take down Moff Gideon once and for all. Bye-bye, Moff Gideon. So let's get there. The combined forces jetpack in to attack the underground lair, led by Bo-Katan and the Darksaber. Such cool visuals. Uh, everybody was kung fu fighting. Um, great shot of Bo, Koska, and the armor flying in formation. Uh, the, you know, shots of Bo with the Darksaber. Uh, I got a lot of feels from this scene, and uh, I was really happy. I, one of the things I wanted from this season was to see Mandalorians fighting Mandalorian style, and we right. definitely got that. Great, great, great choreography and great special effects to complement it. As everybody was kung fu fighting, these are your words, not mine, David. You wrote the outline. I'm not taking credit for that one. I was going to even as everybody a was bit of kung fu fighting. Kung fu fighting. Those kicks were fast as lightning. Din and Grogu enter the command chamber and are confronted by a clearly disturbed Moff Gideon who reveals his diabolical plan to infuse the Force into his clones so he could rule the galaxy as they fight the Praetorian guards, uh, make their entrance, and surround Din. They chase and enrage Grogu, who gets separated from Din. Yeah, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is really eating the scenery here. He was just upset and angry and disturbed. Uh, he looked very psychotic uh, and yep. sounded very psychotic. So that was a lot of we fun. We love that. We love a psychotic yeah. king. And seeing Grogu enraged, he was like... Ah! And waving IG-12's <laughs> arms around. Uh, I haven't seen that before. Uh, so it was really great to 
feel the emotional bond between father and son here. Well, you know what they say about rage with force users. Not good. Mm, it's a it's a pathway feel. to the dark side. Oh, that's true. Mm. Oh, oh, that's a really good point. I hadn't even considered uh, that. Attachments and rage. All yes. pathways to the dark side. The final thing, too, is seeing all of the aerial battle taking place. So if you look over the shoulder of Moff Gideon, you see all these little flies buzzing around and it's the battle. And yeah, just really nice touch to give. It really felt like a very James Bond-esque style thing where the heroes have their one-on-one, they got to confront the bad guy, but all around them, the two, uh, the good guy forces and the bad guy forces are fighting. Uh, it felt really, I felt like a kid watching a James Bond movie. The, and it was a lot of fun to see the armor just beating skulls with uh, her hammer. And I think the move of the fight overall was Casca with the slide. She lands on the deck slides across backwards, drops down, and then fires off her knee rockets at a couple of oncoming troopers. That was just a slick, badass uh, maneuver, and I, I loved all the, choreo- the, the choreography of it all. The choreography. The choreography, yes. Yes, exactly. And also with you. Alone against three Praetorian guards, IG-12 is quickly disabled, and little Grogu has to take flight using his force jump. Moff Gideon continues to beat down Din, who is saved by Bo. Bo and Moff Gideon fight. She's with the Darksaber, and he is with a purple staff. Very badass. Yeah, uh, super fun to see him bring that out and to give Bo a real fight for her money, right? Um, A lot of... Uh, prep for, oh yeah, something really quickly about Grogu, a lot of prep this season for his being able to jump. Uh, for sure. So like if we think of him leaping over to... Oh, that's uh, why we had Lizzo. That's why we yes, had Lizzo Yes, exactly. So she could catch him so that we could prep for the scene. No one else could do and it. Love the... And, and also the, the high wire, right? So at some point they said, well, we kind of have Grogu running from the Praetorian Guard. Where can he run to in a big empty chamber? So they hung this uh, track lighting thing up there so that he could run along it. So it didn't feel forced. It felt all very natural to the command center, like what you might have in the command center. So right. uh, well done production for, for bringing that all together. You know, this weapon that Moff Gideon has just makes me really excited to see Zeb's weapon in live action. I don't know if you've uh-huh. seen him fight in Rebels, but he's got Not, this really cool staff. Yet. He's got a really cool staff that has these two electric sides like that. Okay. And uh, I, I am really looking forward to seeing that happen in live action because I think it's going to be really cool. Nice. The Praetorian guards continue to chase Grogu. And just as they have him, Din arrives to save his son, who had saved him earlier. Grogu uses the force to toss the Praetorian guards around. We then get a bunch of intercut scenes of all three fights happening, really picking up the pace. Um, one thing I noticed in all of the fights that Din was involved in, and you called this out a little bit earlier, was knowing when and where to strike an enemy. And one thing that he does multiple times in these in multiple fights is take a shot at the foot, or to sweep the foot, or to kick the foot. Uh-huh. Um, and he just does that over and over again, and people don't expect it. But it really is super effective. It's like suddenly, like, bang, my foot is being 
shot out from underneath me or swept out from underneath me. And we see that a couple of times here with the Praetorian Guard fight. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, watching Din fight is a joy. All right. Do we have to call him Jaren now? That's my question. Do we, are we, do we <laughs> have to switch to Jaren? Right. The, uh, the body work that the, the stunt actors did in this armor to make those moves was, yeah, top, top rated, top A class. All right, now I have to rant. If, if they retconned, do you think that they retconned Din, to, Din Jaren to be a last name, first name thing because they workshopped it and they did focus groups and they were like, Grogu Jaren's too cumbersome? Interesting. Do you think they... Th- I, I don't think that they're thinking that far ahead. Right, exactly. Are That's they? my point. I think, yeah. that, I think that they, this season, were like, okay, we're going to give him his name Grogu Jaren, send that to the Disney test tubes, you know, and, and, and the, they had a bunch of like 10 year olds there. They were like, Grogu Jaren, what? I can't say it. <laughs> and, I would uh, hope that it's just a uh, Filonian and uh, Favreau. No, no, I'm going to say uh, it's a focus group. group name. It's Din Grogu because that's easier <laughs> to spell and say. Fair enough. Din and Grogu finish off the Praetorian Guards as Axe brings in the cruiser to take out the base. Moff Gideon crushes the hand of Bo-Katan Kryze, destroying the Darksaber once and for all. Well, maybe. Din arrives, driving Moff Gideon to the edge as Axe brings the cruiser in as the Mandalorians withdraw. I I couldn't help but draw a parallel to what's going on in this season of Ted Lasso with a particular um, uh, icon, a mythological icon thing being destroyed. I don't want to spoil it if you're not over there just yet. Um, but the Except idea- you can't use that thing to kill your enemies. What's that? No, <laughs> you cannot. That's true. Um, but the idea that you don't need the Darksaber to lead, Bo has the tools. She, she understands honor. She understands respect. I mean, what- what did uh, Din say to her, you know, in the previous episode? Uh, you know, the sword means nothing to me. Uh, it's your character that is what I believe in and that I will follow. And so losing the Darksaber in that way, uh, I think, really cements this idea that they're driving that it's not the symbols of power, the trinkets of power, but it's the uh, actions that you take. Um, and is, is what's going to bring people together. Yeah, you know, I think they took this from Spaceballs back when you had Lone Star realize that he didn't need <laughs> yes. the ring to use Lone the Schwartz. Star. Right, you exactly. Know? You know, that's, that's it's really, it's a, it's a parody imitates art, and then art imitates parody. Yeah, beautiful stuff. The, the symmetry is, <laughs> is awe-inspiring. Yeah, I'm sure um, that that's a, Dave Filoni's biggest influence. Because <laughs> he's got uh, space balls on repeat in the writer's room. Exactly. Um, Who wouldn't? The, the GoPro-style shots, they use a lot of GoPro-style shots uh, in this, uh-huh. of, in, when the Interceptors are flying and, and the Mandalorians are cruising around in the air. And the shots of the cruiser coming in were just hot AF, literally. It was so awesome to be riding on the shoulder of that cruiser coming down into the atmosphere. I, I just, it, it gave me chills. Let's get like a Steve Irwin style show of mm-hmm. Paz Vizsla just hunting down bounties. Ooh. That's what I want now. That'd be interesting. With, with like GoPro okay. 
style shooting, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like it's like Paz versus Wild. Dog the bounty hunter. You could have uh, Paz the bounty hunter <laughs> kind of thing with his yeah, little crew. Basically. Moff Gideon blasts Din, who is shielded by Bo, who is aided by Grogu. As the cruiser crashes, Moff Gideon is engulfed in flame, and Grogu shields Bo and Din using the Force. I love Moff Gideon screaming here. Yeah, it was great, you know, and it and was not not in pain. It was like anger. It was like ah, I'm defeated. Yes, yes. total mustache twirling uh, bad guy stuff. It was perfect, and to. The reveal, I, I really didn't understand. Like, I, you know, Bo had her little shield out. I was like, wait, that's not going to work. And for a moment, I, I completely didn't think that Grogu was going to be able to do what he did. And when they revealed it, I was like, of course. It really played for me. It, it didn't really you do that off. in season one? Yeah, I think there was. Uh, no, it was it season. Yeah, the end of season, season one when Moff Gideon was. Yeah, I thought it was, was season um, one. Yeah, they brought in the flamethrower trooper to to hose him down. Um, and I had completely forgotten that. And uh, so seeing that in this scene really, uh, really tickled me. Right. Well, that's cool. And that's the, cool. Now he's got his mom and his dad. Yeah. And the fact, and, and again, the, the point of Gideon in these three seasons, and yeah, there's, you know, there's some critique and some criticism about the depth of the bad guy, what are his motivations, who is he really, what's, what's his storyline. I, I get all that, and I can understand why people would want more of that. At the same time, I can take Gideon for what he is, this one-dimensional um, uh, mustache-twirling bad guy, for what his function was. And the function was to bring the Mandalorians together to find their unity to find that they're stronger together. As Bo says, we're stronger together. And here we see that. We see um, Bo without her helmet, Din with his helmet, and Grogu, who's, well, we don't even know what species, and is you know a nominal Jedi, uh, all being able to work together to defeat their common enemy. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like these different cultures mixing together and, and creating. You know, it's funny. It's Moff Gideon is obsessed with taking the assets of each culture yeah. and forging mm-hmm. them together into this ultimate tech weapon. These people are naturally forming bonds across cultures and creating a stronger force naturally through love, through trust, through camaraderie that ends up beating this technical hybrid of Moff Gideon. And I think that's that's sort of a beautiful message. That's almost a... Uh, original Lucas uh, story arc, where um, uh, you know, in in both in in seventy seven uh, New Hope and in uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, Return of the Jedi is famously uh, uh, um, I don't know what you want to call it, environmentalism thing over uh-huh. technology, yeah, and the same thing where in seventy seven. You know, here's this technologically superior uh, uh, force that is defeated by a farm kid who just has a gut feel for shooting womp rats in Beggar's Canyon, and he's able to drop a couple of torpedoes down a, a you know a shielded a ray shielded port thing or whatever. And so the point was, you know, technology is uh, its own worst enemy in in some ways. Uh, Rogue One 
deconstruct some of that a little bit and and you know saying that it was all it was all pre-engineered that's a, a debate of, of things but the idea that um, technology in and of itself is superior over other form uh, other lifestyles I don't know how to describe this correctly um, but there, there's a tension there and and that's one of the things that Lucas played with in the in those movies yeah very cool I like this uh, this sort of pulling from the old movies Mm-hmm. Young Vizsla bathes in the waters and takes the creed. Thankfully, he doesn't step too far forward. And then Din <laughs> asks for Grogu to be added to the song. Since he cannot speak, he cannot say the creed, but the armorer confirms that a parent can approve. Din formally adopts Grogu, who becomes Din Grogu, apprentice. Uh, I, you know, I, I was very, I didn't get big feels from this. I was very happy. I thought it was cute. I was. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I got more feels later on, but I'm glad to finally have that aspect of this series locked down. This is his son. It is confirmed. Uh, and we're just done with uh, any other open-endedness about their relationship. And, and that, while it didn't give me the, the big feels that other scenes did, it was satisfying. It was like, okay, good. Finally, we are clear about who these people are to each other. I did get pretty big feels on this, honestly. I did okay. like this. This was this was a nice way to conclude that sort of bonding journey. And hopefully now we can move on of, you know, this is my son. He's not going anywhere. He's not going with yeah. Luke Skywalker. Screw that guy. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we finally come to that conclusion here. Yeah, something I thought was interesting, too, is that a lot of the last couple of seasons, we've all been wondering about the armor and her motivations. She's a very neutral uh, interpreter of the creed. She doesn't seem to be pushing one agenda or the other. She just simply interprets it. We were all suspecting that, you know, she had ulterior motives and she was using the power structures to her own ends. And no, she just seems to be a very neutral arbiter of what the creed says and doesn't. Uh, and that seems interesting. That's a little bit fresh. That's a little bit new because we are so trained to see people with authority or power, you know, being corrupted by it or, or using it to nefarious ends. And I have to say, the armor seemed a little sad when she told Din that he's got to take uh, Grogu out into the world. Not to not sad that they've got to go do some apprentice quest stuff, but that you know Din's not going to be around. There was just a little lilt of sadness and a little bit in her in her head, her helmet movements that made me feel like she was going to miss having them around. Yeah, I think so. I think she's grown fond of the little frogman. So Grogu looks in the water and feels the mythosaur who feels him feeling him and sort of opens his eyes there. <laughs> right. So we didn't get the mythosaur this episode or this season. Uh, I think there's going to be a few fans who are a little disappointed by that. Okay, that's fine. We had eight, se- we had eight episodes. We had a lot to, to cover this thing uh, for this season. I, I don't know where, where it's going to go. Um, uh, it's just an open... It's an open thread, and we'll have to see where it goes. It took like eight seasons for the Night King to come in Game of Thrones, and then he died in an episode, so kind of don't care. Right. I kind of don't feel badly, guys. Um, I do think that we are setting up for next season. 
And I'm I'm kind of glad. I think that next season is the right time for it. I'm glad they didn't rush this Mythosaur thing. Right. At the Great Forge, the helmeted armorer passes a torch to an unhelmeted Lady Kreese who relights the fires of Mandalore. This is where I got my big feels. Uh, okay. This is where I was the most happy and the most emotional about seeing it, seeing all the Mandalorians there. Uh, uh, you know, smashing their forearm armor together, hearing Axe Wove, you know, screaming for Mandalore. And I really liked this idea of the different Mandalorian tribes who are walking various parts of the path, walking it together and seeing Bo without trinkets, without the Darksaber, without anything, being given the torch and relighting the forge, it, it felt epic to me. It felt like we, we went somewhere in this season, and we accomplished something in this season that I didn't expect to, to see, and I was so glad that they didn't muddy it up. It was very clean, and it was very straightforward, and it's a huge, it's, I think it's a huge, huge deal to have the Mandalorians unified. For, yeah, for this definitely. universe and for this galaxy. So, well, she says earlier, you know, Mandalorians can defeat any enemy, but it's ourselves that tear us down. And that's shown yeah. throughout the Clone Wars, throughout Rebels, you know, and, and in the Legends, too. So, I'm really glad that we see sort of this new era of Mandalorians propping up, rising up. Yeah. And yeah, again, without, without reservation or hesitation, this was my big feel moment for the entire season. Right. Din and Grogu fly to Adelphi, where he meets with Captain Teva. Din proposes he work for the New Republic as a freelance bounty hunter, tracking down Imperial remnants. In trade, he asks for the IG head above the bar. How does Din get paid? Uh, he hasn't been paid yet. I think he this he's taking this as deposit. But like, it, it just, he's saying that I want to do contracts for the New Republic. They're not going to approve it. Okay. What's Tevin's expense report going to look like? Yeah, okay. he's going to have nine thousand dollar hammers, nine thousand credit <laughs> hammers. It's uh, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be a great expense report, there, buddy. Fair enough. The this is the one scene that I cracked. I the the humor here was great. Let me think about it. You already did. It's a good deal, and you know it. I was <laughs> I had a good chuckle at that. That was awesome. Yeah. No, that was fun. I'm 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 looking forward to it in one way. The Adventures of Din and Grogu for Captain Teva. I am also dreading them a little bit because I feel like it could be a never-ending story of, you know, Adventure of the Week, which is my least favorite kind of Mando episode. Mm -hmm. and which so, a lot of people I, have been demanding of this show. I know, like, I know, uh, I know. Yeah. Everybody has their own desires for this show, and uh, yeah. they're never going to please everybody. But I, I still enjoy the Adventure of the Week, so if that's all it is, fine, as long as we're going somewhere with it. I think um, as long, yeah, if they can use that as a vehicle to get him around, as long as there's a overarching story arc, uh, I'm happy to have a bunch of of uh, adventure of the week things. And this is a right. total setup. Oh, you've got to take him out and be an apprentice and do these things. And oh, hey, Teba, you right. know, like right. let's work together. I mean, it's a clear setup for ranging around the outer rim and and uh, getting up to all kinds of hijinks. Did right. you see um, Dave Filoni was at the bar again there? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't you, have my Filoni goggles the, on. 
if you looked at the wide shot, he, the, he was over on the left with a, a group of uh, not of other pilots there and in his very distinctive hat. So, boy, these pilots got to do something else besides drink. They got to drop. That's part of their job. They got to pilot ships here. What are they doing? They're, I mean, every time we go there, it's like a ton of pilots hanging out. Like, go out and patrol, you guys. I mean, it's like, it's yeah, rough. Like, because Moth Gideon's see... out there. Oh, well, get another round. <laughs> well, we can't do it. Yeah, exactly. We are union. Uh, back on Navarro, Grief Karga gives Din a deed to a cabin on the edge of town, and Din gives a rebuilt IG-11 to the town as the new marshal. The ep ends with Din putting his putting up his feet as Grogu plays with frogs. What a cute little ending. What a, you, know, what, you know, what a delightful little scene we end with. Although I fear Did for you- that frog family. Yeah, exactly. They're going to get eaten. Um, and they did the little, like, circle fade out uh, thing. It was very, very cute. I yep. think my biggest disappointment of this episode was the fact that he did not take his helmet off. I mean, you put up your feet, your kid's there, you know, Grogu's not looking. Just take your helmet off for a minute. Nah. You know, he's down by nah. the pond. You know, get your hair some air. Or get some vitamin D on your forehead, my man. No, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, right. And someone who is just diagnosed with a vitamin D deficiency and is currently on vitamin D supplements, I disagree. He doesn't need it. Uh, okay. <laughs> he... <laughs> I, no, no offense to any vitamin D deficient people out there. I, I No, I, I, I'm deficient. telling you the truth of me. That is something that just happened to me. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think all of it, a lot of us are, are, are that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. We spend yeah. so much time indoors. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I I think that it's nice to see him finally settle into this is my identity, right? Like, this is my Mm -hmm. identity. Mm -hmm. I am the guy with the creed. I don't need, I don't need to take off my helmet. Grogu knows who I am. I don't need to take off my helmet to bond with him. And I think that that's right. I, I like that he didn't take off his helmet, actually. Yeah, I got it. I, I can get that. And and that makes sense uh, with that framing. I was just thinking of it from, uh, uh, you know, the, ba- the big bad is defeated, you know, pop a beer, you know, he could just you do one of those little, he's probably got a, a, a beer opener on his uh, <laughs> bottle opener on his yeah. armor. Maybe um, inside his know. helmet, since that way, that way he has to take it off to open it up. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I just, I, and I wanted to see uh, pa- Pedro Pascal, you know, uh, I wanted to actually see his face in this season at one point, but. Yeah, no. I, I'm fine with it. You had enough um, of them this year. Relax, everybody. Whew, we had a, <laughs> we did have a lot. We did have a lot. The IG-11 thing, but that was a long arc <laughs> to come all the way around from the very beginning of the season to this. Uh, it, it felt a long way, but yeah, it yeah. was fun. It was well earned. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've made it to the end. And when we get back from our break, we will talk to Alicia. John, we're uh, back, and we have a special guest with us today, Alicia in Amsterdam, who has been illuminating a lot of Star Wars lore for us, both on the podcast and on our Discord. And uh, we just thought it was very fitting to invite Alicia on to recap the season with us. So she's got a whole bunch of stuff she wants to talk about. And uh, I think, Alicia, do you want to stick around for the uh, feedback section as well? We'd love to have you. 
Sounds like fun. Awesome. Well, Alicia, uh, welcome uh, again. And uh, again, thanks for for all the the stuff that you've been sending us. Uh, Let's get right into it. What is, it's kind of hard to take episode eight on its own because it's also the season wrap. So give us your, uh, give us both barrels here. What did you think of the episode and, and what's your big take for the season overall? Yeah, I mean, I think that I was generally more positive on the season than some people, at least. Um, I, I think that the Andor uh, factor definitely influenced the way some people perceive the season. And also, maybe there was some like wonkiness going on uh, behind the camera that, yeah, changed the way this feels to people. But I, I thought, you know, it was as John keeps saying, it's like great Saturday morning cartoon popcorn fun. and. Um, the finale. (laughs) Yeah. The finale, it wasn't what I expected, but it felt right. Cool. So you enjoyed the episode and you enjoyed the season. Yeah. Overall, I would say, yeah. I mean, of course I have my nits to pick, but um, overall, I think, (laughs) yeah, I think this was like very Mando, you know, I was happy. Very cool. John, uh, your overall take for the season, I know we will have covered the episode eight uh, by itself uh, just prior to this. But um, what is your feeling on the season as a whole? Yeah, I think it was solidly good. I don't think it was spectacular. I don't think it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. But it was a lot of fun, right? It was, it was something that came... It was something that made me want to come back every week. And that made me feel excited for finding out what was happening next. And that's kind of what we want Star Wars to be, right? We don't need it to be... A masterpiece every time we want it to be we want it to be our saturday morning cartoon i'll say it again and we want to have a decent enough quality where we don't feel like we wasted our time and i certainly don't feel like i wasted our, our my time watching this season i mean especially with the way that nice. the season wraps up things happened right stakes mattered at the end and that's actually something right. i think did not work as well last season because they undid it during book of boba fett now if they blow up the planet of Mandalore between seasons, then yes, I will be upset. But I don't think they're going to do that at this point. <laughs> uh, I hope that they learn their lesson from Book of Boba Fett. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it. I am looking forward to season four. I'm looking forward to Dave Filoni's Star Wars Endgame. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what they're doing next. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think starting out for the season for me, there was a couple of things that I wanted. And I feel like I got those. Um, I wanted to learn more about Mandalorian culture because, uh, as we know on this podcast, I am not as up on the animated series as both you and Alicia are, and so my ga- the gaps in my my Mandalorian knowledge are are a little bit bigger. Um, so I got to learn a lot more about Mandalorians, and I think that sort of stands in for everybody who's not a bigger Star Wars fan, just the casual fans. I think we all got a good sense of who these people are, what their values are, what's important to them, and some of the key bits of their history or, you know, the things that that went on. And then I really wanted to see some good Mandalorian fights, and I think we got that in the uh, episode eight finale. There, uh, everybody was kung fu fighting, uh, jetpack style. So I, I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed seeing it all, all overall. I, I would definitely say that as a bad guy, Moff Gideon was pretty simple. There wasn't a lot of depth to him, 
We don't really know why he wants to, why does he hate Mandalorians? Why he wants to take over? Why he thinks he can, um, you know, be uh, this person who brings together the Force and robotics and uh, Mandalorians and Beskar and all these things. He was just a bad guy that was just given to us, and we don't really know what his motivations are. That's fine. He's budget because wrong. ultimately Let's just be he honest. was a. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. Dollar store um, throng. He's a great megal. He's a he's a great megalomaniac style bad guy. That is for sure. Uh, very big on himself. I think yeah, his hubris is definitely his undoing. Absolutely, and he's a great tool. Uh, a very simple one dimensional tool to bring the Mandalorians together to bring these different tribes and factions together. So on that scale, I think I'm, I'm fine with him being a thinner character when we take that, the show as the Saturday morning sort of style. Um, I don't wonder, though, how much focus is being put on Ahsoka pre-production. Did that draw some of the creative energy away from The Mandalorian Season 3? I don't know. Um, I could see a world where that is the case, where maybe some of the bigger, you know, Filoni and, and uh, others are putting a lot more energies at that. Because I think Ahsoka is going to be a lot more, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a more serious, not an Andor serious, but a different kind of stakes serious. And I think that's cool. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I just wonder if, if that was some of what drew you know, uh, effort away a little bit. And if that's so, that's fine. If not, it's fine. And I, I, I agree with both of you that from that um, fun, adventuresome style of Star Wars, I, I felt very satisfied of the season overall. I, I agree with you, John, that I, I don't feel like my time was wasted. I looked forward to every single episode when I was doing my episode breakdowns. I would take pictures, screenshots of things that I post in our Discord and stuff. The visuals in this season were amazing, absolutely amazing, just gorgeous. So I, I was very satisfied on that front. And I think if the visuals had been any degree less of what we got, I might be more critical of the season overall. But visually, they really knocked it out of the park. And I think that definitely kept my excitement levels very high. All right. Without Lizzo, it's an eight out of ten. Though with Lizzo, it's a ten out of ten. <laughs> Liz, Lizzo does add a certain je ne sais quoi. Um, but yeah. there were a lot of rumors about you know interference from particularly Kathleen Kennedy behind the scenes in Book of Boba Fett and this and like and that that's why the whole Grogu uh, reunion thing happened in Book of Boba Fett because they're like we don't want to really we don't want to you know, basically Favreau wanted to um, have this time apart uh, between Mando and, and Grogu. And uh, they just saw the dollar signs of, you know, walking away with Grogu off screen. Alicia, I want to jump ahead on, on something you've got uh, in your outline here. You've got a question mark over Pedro. And I kind of feel like I, I want to know what that's about because I, I am yeah. not plugged in as you are on, on that scale. And then if you're saying that there's interference from that higher level, and maybe that's what's played a role a little bit in the structuring of these seasons and these episodes, 
what more can you clue us in on there? Because that that really bothers me, and that that has some, yeah. I'm concerned because obviously we've seen some fumbles in the past with productions and giving different projects to different directors. We just had a couple of directors leave, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it doesn't feel like that the the house of Star Wars is maybe a happy house. Well, it does seem. I mean, all this is all just rumors, rumors, rumors. You know, um, okay. so to take it all with a, a grain of salt, but. Um, okay. it, the rumors are that like there's been Kathleen Kennedy, the head of uh, of Lucasfilms, has you know been having some friction with say John Favreau and with possibly also Pedro Pascal, um, and that yeah that maybe Pedro Pascal and this is just really again rumors mostly from one source um, that he might not have been completely happy and they were they were rumoring that he was going to die or walk away in the final finale and that didn't happen so who knows if any of this is true but um there does seem to be some sort of truth to at least the john favreau fiction friction Hmm. wow well let me bring us back and the Mando and Grogu in the Bo-Katan <laughs> wearing a gun on her hip. When you're coming home, Boa don't know when. She'll wear a helmet then. Gonna be a convert then. Woo! <laughs> if I, I'm going to hold up my phone and turn on my, my flashlight. <laughs> See, this new... If you're listening at home, we're using a new recording platform that lets you put in soundboard sounds and i loaded up some fun stuff guys you did and it it took over my laptop and it freaked me out (laughs) (laughs) well yeah let's uh let's hope uh kathleen can get her self sorted out here and keep everybody happy Uh, I, i i have had concerns about how things have gone in the past and i don't wonder if there shouldn't be some changes there but that's that's way above my pay grade i think when you have movie after movie falling apart with the director walking away or being let go i don't think it's the director's problem right i think it's your studio's problem they have strong creators and i hope that they're given the room to create because we've seen with like tony gilroy what and we've seen with past seasons of mendo you know if you just let these guys cook um they can make something really special Agreed. Uh, and I, from what little I've heard, uh, Gilroy seems to have a different quality relationship with Kennedy. Right. Um, and maybe there is some difference there that other creators don't have. Um, he got a lot more cachet. freedom. He got a lot yeah. more freedom for sure. Yeah. Yeah. John and I agree that if you have a continued track record of high profile directors coming and going, regardless of what they're saying and the corporate spin, the corpse speak spin on, on stuff, that much traffic in and out of the creative uh, huddle, bullpen, stables, whatever you want to uh, you know analogize that to, that is a, a concerning issue. And I have... Yeah, concerns. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of concerns. She's Kennedy's been there for quite a while, and and I don't know if the uh, corporate interests for corporate interests' sake are really doing good on the creative side of things. So, 
But uh, on the plus side, as you pointed out, the CGI has been great on Star Wars, which, you know, has been a little wonkier on Marvel. That's true. And Marvel seems to have some issues uh, going on there, too, with leadership. So it's a tough time to be in the um, in the mouse. Anyway, let's uh, let's swing away from the. Uh, the political intrigue, yeah. the you know the the castle <laughs> intrigue, and let's start talking more about the season overall. And and Alicia, you've got a whole bunch of stuff here that we want to get into. So let's talk about the mythosaur. Yeah. So yeah, I was just looking at thinking about the things like what is still left over. Like we expected certain things from the finale that didn't pan out. That's doesn't, that's not a problem for me at all, but then that means there are still questions that uh, are left unanswered. And the first is, of course, we got that tease with Grogu touching the water and the mythosaur opening its eyes. And uh, so, yeah, will we get a season four? Will the mythosaur rise? Who will ride him? What do you guys think? John, I I would like, the mythosaur to come out. I would like Grogu to ride the mythosaur. Uh, and I think that this show is extremely fan servicey. And if I don't get it, I'll be shocked. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of spilt ink over, uh, Grogu riding the mythosaur this season. Mm. Yeah. We did not get that. So true. you got to work your way up to that. I mean, he rode the robot. He, he's working on it. Right. He's working on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think the mythosaur, I mean, the mythosaur opened its eye. Did the, did the mythosaur, like, is the connection backwards towards Grogu, too? Do they have a bond? Oh, yeah. That's He's like I, my son. My head was at. Come to me. Right. <laughs> I mean, it seemed implied. I don't know. It, it feels like they're setting up Grogu to kind of be, you know, the Mandalore reborn. Right. Um, spies. So we should talk about quickly the title from the last episode. Uh, we talked a little bit about at the top of the episode, but you have some more uh, details that you can um, illuminate us on. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, I think you guys already talked about uh, the whole Hebrew connection theory. Um, so I guess that does that mean that we were all just chasing ghosts, you know, when we're suspecting. <laughs> I, I'm, I apologize to the armorer. I deeply suspected her. Um, I, maybe I still should, but... <laughs> Uh, should we like yeah do you guys think like are there still spies amongst them or should we just say no let's let the Mandalorians be happy together I think they're happy for now I think so yeah I think that any conflict should come from without if we're gonna have the writing be satisfying because sorry but we spent three years trying to unify these people Uh, three three seasons I should say it's like what five years and I'm ready for them to just be unified. Let's let's evolve yep. past the intra Mandalorian conflict and evolve into Mandalorian versus the world conflict or versus the galaxy yep. conflict. Or versus the Jedi, maybe, which might would be which no. would be interesting for Grogu. Well, that's their <laughs> let's history. Let's not do that's that. Their history. Let's leave them alone. <laughs> There's not even enough Jedi to fight back. Let's leave them alone that's for true. a while. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm all for this unified uh, Mandalore thing. I mean, and I we talked about this in the season re- er, in the episode recap. You know, every time you know when Axe was on the bridge, um, when the survivors took him to the the surface caves, when the armor you know was somewhere, not anywhere just yet. I was kept waiting for the heel turn, and right. it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and then I was 
I was like, wow, we really are going to have this unified uh, Mandalore, you know, Mandalore. And when we had those sort of two end ceremonies where I got a lot of big feels, I, I was really happy that what we have is this unified group. And I think that was the whole purpose of, uh, of uh, Moff Gideon. And one of the reasons why they kept him just very one-dimensional was that he was a tool just to unlock this coming together. And that, that made me very happy, to be honest. I'm a little right. disappointed that we didn't just get a, a, a room full of vats of Sheev, of Palpatine. I wish we got, <laughs> I wish we got some Sheev action yeah. here. I didn't need 17 Moff Gideons. Or is it Moff Gideon, like attorney, attorney's general? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the, the latter is correct, grammatically. <laughs> I did count. There were a dozen. There were, there were six well, tanks aside there. So Okay. I mean, well, why didn't I get six uh, or a dozen sheaves? And is that a baker's dozen? Shouldn't there have been 13? Uh, I mean, is true. the one who's out of the tank 13? Oh, there you go. There, that's it. That's, uh, okay. That's yeah. the All right. All right. Yeah, right. actually, yeah, I did want to get into that in a moment, um, but I had a yeah a couple other questions for you guys just about uh, lingering uh, what ifs for future seasons. Yeah, and one of them was uh, two characters that we expected to be at least mentioned this season, and were not at all was um, Bo-Katan's sister Satine and Cobb Vanth, who we saw last in the ba- back to tank at the end mm-hmm. of um, Book of Boba Fett. So I don't know. What do you do? You think um, they're coming back? Um, do you think they're going to continue Boba Fett? And we see Cobb Vanth there. You telling me we went through the entire Rebels plotline without hearing the word Padme, and you want Satine to be mentioned in this show? Okay. Okay. No, okay. It's not happening. It's not happening. Padme was a movie character. She wasn't even just an anime no. char- animated character. And we can't even get a, a name drop of her in Rebels. No, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think Dave Filoni gives a royal flarf, whatever the Star Wars uh, version is <laughs> about Satine. And and uh, I think Hellgate, uh, like you pointed out, John, I believe that was Episode Six with uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking the name again, Doc Brown. Uh, yeah, with Christopher Lloyd. Oh, Christopher yeah. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. You, I think you pointed this out rightly that he was about to say the words "the Enforcer," Anakin Skywalker when <laughs> right. when she zapped him, when she tased him. Don't tase me, bro. And yeah. uh, we can't even get that right. They 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 cut that too. So they really siloed this this season. If we don't hear I- Anakin Skywalker in the Ahsoka series, though, that is a crime. Because come yeah. on. Oh, isn't it confirmed that he's going to appear? Oh, that's yes, true. I think you know what? I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put down my pitchfork because Hayden Christensen is <laughs> cast. You gonna write us a song, John? For Hayden, I think you know what? I'm gonna say this right here. We as a community of Star Wars fans owe this man an apology. He loves the Agreed. role. He does his best. He the the writing was was awful for his dialogue in the in the trilogy. And as the writing has gotten better for Darth Vader, he has risen to that challenge. So I'm looking forward to seeing him with writers who can actually write a scene of dialogue. 100%. Yeah. I think he brought a lot of, you know, gravitas to the Obi-Wan series where he he appeared there, even though we only saw like a a sliver of him and a flashback. 
hearing them blend his voice with James Earl Jones was absolutely amazing. So I hope we get more nonsense like that. I know I know it's going to be a have to be all flashbacks. He's dead by the time of the Ahsoka series, but I want it all. I want all the Hayden you can give me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And may, hey, maybe Satine will show up there. I feel like they know that the fan community is crying about this Satine thing. And for that reason alone, like you said, this is uh, this is an IP that likes fan service. Yeah, sure. agreed. Sure. Although, although I got to ask, how what percentage of this audience do you think watched The Clone Wars? High, pretty high. I you think, think you, so? I think we have a real mixed I think we have a real mixed audience. I don't know. I, think, I don't know, guys. Yeah. I think I think that uh, I think you're overshooting your your statistics. You should put here. up a Twitter poll. You should <laughs> put up a Twitter poll about it. Did they did they yeah, stop our, those yet? Our, our Discord uh, polls are very self selected, so yeah, yeah, we're not going to get a, a, a proper sample. Uh, but I feel like even people even people who only watched a couple episodes they watch the Satine episodes. Like if you watch anything, almost it's going to be mm. that or like the ones at the end with Ahsoka and uh, you know. Order 66. Yeah. You're not going to get any Satine in those. No, I'm saying, but these are the ones that people go for when they skip the I was just making a a dark joke. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I think with Cobb Vanth, um, I think we're probably not. I I would guess that Timothy Oliphant isn't going to be back anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and I was fine not seeing him this season. I know there are huge Cobb Vance stands out there. I am. Mm-hmm. I, I I love Timothy Timothy Oliphant, and I really like Cobb Vance a lot. And I just th- think it would be weird to have brought him into this storyline um, and to go back to Tatooine. I felt fine not going back there. Uh, and if I never see Tatooine again. It will yeah. be too soon. I am so sick of that stupid desert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm happy that we're not centered there. That said, if they could bring him back, you know, in, in some season in some meaningful way, I'd be totally open to it. But I also think uh, Oliphant is a little bit busy right now because I know he's got a couple of projects uh, happening right now. So uh, now, you know what the equivalent. That- you know what the equivalent is of that is uh, Henry Cavill showing up as Superman in a post-credit scene. That's the equivalent. Right. Not coming <laughs> right. back, guys. Right. They wanted to do Book of Boba Fett too. They wanted to do more more Boba Fett specials, and it's over. It's not coming back. It's done. Hey, yeah. hey make Timothy Oliphant a, man, uh, a Mandalorian, then he just has to do voice oh. work. There you go. Okay. Oh yeah, that would right. be good. That would be good. That'd be fun. Yeah, he joins the cult. Oh. He, he was really inspired by his near-death experience, and he really just. He was like, man, that guy didn't. He was a solid dude. I'm going to go find him. Yeah. He misses the Boba Fett armor, and he wants to earn his own. Yeah. That or works. just steals Boba Fett's armor. Wait, do we, Were they planning yeah. like a heist show? I don't even know. You know, He's, he's going to go steal the armor of Boba Fett right off him. Well, I guess, was he going to end up... Was he going to be in, uh, the, what was it called, the Rangers of the Republic? Or the oh, Republic? yeah. Yeah, I know or what you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Which I'm guessing projects, was huh? <laughs> yeah, well. There we go. Right. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, this one was at least not the executive's fault, I guess. Um, and I'm guessing that what we saw of the Adelphi base that would have been the vibe that we would have got. Like yeah. that was the the natural tie-in for for Rangers of the New Republic. 
But if they want to like give us more, you know, a season four with more Teva and, you know, do this whole mission based thing that they're setting up, I'm, I'm here for that too. Especially if we get some reunions with fun characters like Ahsoka or Cobb Banth or, you know. They dropped Zeb on us. I was totally expecting right. Zeb to have a cameo there when, when Mando yeah, knocked in. Too. I kept yeah. looking for him. Yeah. But I honestly, I kind of appreciate that they didn't take that bait because that was, right. that was easy. And I think that that would have been distracting about the scene. And or even this- if he had been over neck on the, sitting at the bar talking to Filoni, because Filoni was there again. Like if he, uh, if Zeb had just been in that huddle of pilots off to the side, he didn't have to actually come on camera. But right. if we just seen him right. on the wide, uh, on the wide shot, that would have been great. But what's Reddit going to be talking about that night? Is it going to be Mando going off on adventures next season, or is it going to be the fact that the purple man was in the corner? <laughs> the purple man <laughs> in the corner, hundred percent. All right, Dark Saber. Yeah, so the Dark Saber, that was like honestly no offense to uh any of the Mandalorians, but that was almost the biggest death of the season. Um now the question is, will it be reforged? And I have to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Brett, aka at rant underscore Almore on Twitter. Uh he named the new version of the Dark Saber, which uh, we're gonna call in my head canon anyway the night saber nice hashtag <laughs> night saber. there you go so so i'm wondering like do we eventually see grogu as the force sensitive mandalorian re- reforging a new version of this blade or is it gone forever I, knowing star wars how often are things actually gone forever that are as popular as that not often enough that was a pretty shocking moment i mean sure we had yeah. luke tossing his lightsaber over his shoulder, but that was a whole different vibe. This was Gideon crushing uh, Bo's hand and the Darksaber with it. You know, the thing that it really struck me, because right now we're watching Ted Lasso at the same time, and that re- really reminds me of the Believe sign. You know, it's these mythologies, yeah. and the mythology, the icon, the, the, the symbol becomes the thing and yeah. not what it's supposed to represent. And they set us up in some ways to say that it's a story. It doesn't mean anything. It, what means something is that people believed in it. Well, Bo now has a new song, and she, you know, she and Din figured out what was going on in Mandalore and were able to reclaim it and relight the forge. So do we really need the Darksaber? Uh, I don't think not anytime soon. I don't think, but yeah. uh, is but isn't it often a classic story structure where you take away the thing that you've been using as a crutch, um, only to prove yourself without it and earn it back in a new, stronger way? Mm. In fantasy, at least, new songs to be sung. Yeah. Hmm. Wish I had my soundboard. Like you lose. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'm still afraid of Grogu handling any kind of, uh, you know, light energy blade weapon. His little I can't body, imagine his that. Little, it's too, he's too he, small to be wielding anything that big and dangerous. He's too small with an O in the middle. He, yeah, he can't have a blade yet. No. But how are they going to handle him growing up? Are they going to let him grow up, you know? That is a question that Kathleen Kennedy is probably losing a lot of sleep over right now. <laughs> I, think, I think they have to eventually, but I don't think in this show. I think that, first of all, I don't think it would make sense for him to suddenly come out of growth right. stasis. 
and be an adult Yoda kind of guy. Can we have no. adolescent Grogu with uh, acne and a crackling voice, you know, breaking voice? And you're, you're, like turning, him into yeah. you're turning, yes, yeah. totally turning him into Groot. You're totally turning him into Groot. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, that by the time of the Ray movie that we're going to see, you have a chance of seeing yeah. an adult Grogu, you know, 30 Ooh. years later, be able to. I hadn't teach. thought about that. Yeah. What's that look like? That's interesting. Yeah. I, and then, of course, we're all dying to see whether he speaks like Yoda or Yaddle. I mean, oh. I guess he speaks. He, he must Do you know speak who plays like- Yaddle? Who voices Yaddle? I found this out the other day. No. It is Bryce Dallas Howard. No what? way. Oh, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah, that's right. So that's she's all over Star Wars. I had no Wars. idea. She is all no. over Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you've got a note here in your outline about uh, a warehouse. Um, I'm, I missed some element. No, I was, no, I was just uh, the other lingering question that still hasn't been answered. It's not from this season, but it's from the, the very first premiere episode. Although we got a tease about it this season is how did Grogu end up in that warehouse where Din Djarin first finds him. Um, oh, you know, was, all the was way back he, there. Yeah, was he with Kellerin Beck the whole time? Because now we got that piece of the puzzle put in. So uh, what connects where we saw Kellerin Beck escaping with him to Grogu being alone in a storage container? Misa, don't know. Ahmed. Oh. <laughs> But someone else we owe an apology. Yes, absolutely. I would love to see a heroic uh, fight on Keller and, you know, Beck's standpoint to see him, you know, uh, like if if we're if we're going to not have him in future from sort of this era forward, you know, how did he go out or, you know, what did what sacrifices did he have to make? Uh, to get Grogu to safety. I would love some flashbacks. Uh, Even a little bit of a um, half an episode or one of these drop-ins like they did with Pershing um, to get that backstory line. I think that would be really cool and that would be really great to see. um, What's his name? Ahmad? uh, Best. Best. I would love to see him in action more because apparently he is a martial arts expert uh, in his own right. Uh, outside yeah. of, of the film stuff. And I would really love to see that physicality uh, brought to screen. Oh, I was just going to say, I liked, I liked his, uh, f- his fight with the two lightsabers. He's called the Sabered Hand. I'd love to yes. see more of that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So here's something that I'm wondering is, are they trying to connect to the Obi-Wan show, where we know that there was sort of an underground railroad for Jedi and Force sensitives? We know Quinlan Voss was, it was involved. Alicia, right. I'm sure you're you're familiar with Quinlan. David, I don't know. Yeah. No, not so much. Quinlan Voss is a very yeah. interesting character. Uh, he went to the dark side for a bit with Ventress. Fell in love with Ventress, actually. And uh, Ventress he, is he my came favorite. back. Yeah, Ventress is very cool. She was done dirty by being handled in a book. But anyway, wasn't Quinlan Ventress Voss is very cool. um, part of uh, Ahsoka's? Earlier arc when she was uh, yes. running from the Jedi. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That Just was make sure after I have the right she was ousted by Dooku. She was she right. was Dooku's yeah. apprentice. She was ousted by Dooku. Right. She was also a Night Sister. She's a very cool character. Very very cool we character. See her, sort of a gray a gray Force user. And she's in that very very first Clone Wars episode where the animation yes. is, is. And not. she's in oh, right. the yeah, she's in true. the way old Clone Wars too. The the pre canon Clone Wars. The weird which animation. had awesome animation. Yes. Oh, I love that animation. Yeah. 
Yes, no, I liked it too. I, I liked it too a lot. I, I watched that when I was in like the third grade, so I have nostalgia for that. Oh, wow. But yeah, so anyway, so Quinlan Voss is sort of this gray Jedi who, who returns to the light eventually, and we know he survived Order 66 because he's mentioned in that Obi-Wan show as one of the people involved in that right. underground railroad for Jedi. So I'm wondering if maybe we're going to see some flashback where we link Quinlan to Kellerin and to Grogu, and we see how Grogu got out. Or maybe they're just going to imply it, which is fine with me, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping for that, because I would love to see more Quinlan Voss. Um, I love just in general, like, the great yeah. Jedi Force user thing. It's my biggest worry about this new Rey project, where they say she's rebuilding the Jedi Order. I'm like, oh, can please yeah. make it... Make it something new, you know, don't do what Luke was doing with Grogu, um, going back to the same old BS that just, you know, made Anakin fall in the first what, place. Kind what of. did you say? Going back to the same old Bo-Katan's bullshit, <laughs> just like Luke and all the Sith, Mandalore is not a wasteland, take me on hyperspace roads. All right, so... So from a season arc standpoint, it's really interesting because we had these two levels for this season. We had the Saturday morning cereal and pajamas, you know, adventure stuff. But then we have all this deeper level stuff uh, that's going on. And that really ties into this whole cloning business. And we've got to figure out a little bit What's up with that? What's up with Gideon's cloning, Project Necromancer, all of these kinds of stuff? So, uh, Lisa, why don't you orient us a little bit uh, around those issues? Because uh, for as fun as the season was and seeing jetpacks and darksabers, we had a whole chunk on Dr. Pershing. We had hints of, of cloning stuff all over the place. And it really clear, if if you're not the superficial fan, then you really did feel the shape and the pointing in the direction towards Exegol and uh, tying in, smoothing out the last three movies um, and really trying to create some connective linkages uh, across the Star Wars universe. So what have you got for us on the, on the cloning front? Uh, yeah, so it, it's definitely, this seems to be like the biggest through line in the post-Clone Wars uh, era, you know, and obviously we know that this is leading up to some, somehow Palpatine returned, um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, John just brought up Obi-Wan, and we actually, we saw Force uh, Sensitives being preserved there, including, you know, R.I.P. Tara Sanube for the people who watch Clone Wars, um, and this was all taking place before the fall of the Empire, so... Um, yeah, that might have been part of what they're calling in the Mandalorian Project Necromancer, which is, uh, Brendel Hux's pet project. Um, not the time that the Mandalorian's happening. Um, you know, so that's like 17 years after this Obi-Wan stuff. Uh, Palps, he is not dead. <laughs> He's, uh, been kept alive. His spirit was zipped away to Exegol and he's sitting inside like a rotting clone, um, who they, they just, the, a Sith, um, eternal cultist there, they aren't able to create a body that can contain his power. Um, and meanwhile, they've also already, uh, been churning out some S- Snoke copies and, um, 
And we've got Palpatine like starting to manipulate that from behind the curtain. So is that Project Necromancer? Obviously, that seems like uh, a a likely thing because Necromancer means bringing someone back from the dead. Um, Or communicating with the dead or using the dead as an an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. But they did say it's something to do with cloning. So I'm I'm guessing it it might be something like that. Um, Now, yeah, is the... Now, Gideon, what he was doing is interesting. He's going rogue. And I have a lot of questions about where he got this expertise and, you know, how he was able to do this on his own. Like, what did the Empire think that Dr. Pershing was doing? Um, but he claims that maybe he's gotten four sensitive clones. Um, we didn't actually get to see that. So we, we don't know whether that's actually completely true. But why would it work for him and not for the others? And maybe one thing is, you know, we saw those preserved corpses in Obi-Wan. Um, if they were trying to take, you know, the midichlorian blood from them, maybe uh, that created something different from, you know, Gideon was trying to take it from living beings like uh, Grogu. Or, yeah, could that also be what happened to Keller and Becker, others? Uh, did they try with other, uh, other Jedi with maybe less close connection to the Force than Grogu's species? Um, so a lot of questions being raised there. And yeah, so we've got right now, we've got um, in the Mando timeline, way back in the shadows on Exegol, um, we've got uh, Palpatine alive. Uh, he's puppeting Snoke. Snoke doesn't know he's being puppeted. And uh, we've got a two-year-old Ben Solo out there who Snoke's going to reach out to soon and start, uh, start grooming to the dark side. Um, now, this proze- project Necromancer, it's not to be confused with um, Hux's Project Resurrection. So uh, same Imperial character, two projects. Um, now, Hux was always like a fan of the of the clone troopers in terms of their abilities. Um, and he saw that the replacements were not living up to that. So he had this idea to turn the uh, children, often of his enemies, into stormtroopers by taking them in from... Uh, you know, from babyhood and, or, you know, as young as possible and brainwashing them. And that's what basically we saw later on with Finn. Um, but actually that story started in Battlefront 2, the game. And yeah, Armitage, his son, who is played by Donald Gleason, he later took over Project Reg- Resurrection. Um, and in The Force Awakens, he's like, I don't, they, he and his father had a really weird relationship. So he's, um, having a, a very offended reaction when Kylo Ren suggests using a clone army over special stormtroopers. But it just goes to show that there is still a conversation, even like 20 years after the Mando timeline, uh, clones versus uh, the stormtroopers, you know, versus human recruitment. And um, it seems like Necromancer was just like for the big guns, like Palps and Snoke. Uh, not the soldiers, but Gideon, he wanted to create like the super, superest soldiers ever. Uh, he wanted to basically combine Mandalorians, force users and battle droids into one type. And he was so full of himself. He thought he was the only person capable of wielding this combined power, even though his track record proves otherwise. Uh, what, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think of these threads? Uh, do you have any theories? David, you are less familiar on the cloning stuff, so I will make you go first. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it, being less familiar with the larger cloning story, I don't have a lot, I think, to offer. I will say 
what it feels like to me, and I've heard this a little bit about Filoni and Favreau, is that they do have this desire to smooth the uh, wrinkles out of the extended, all of the extended works so that we've got a, a nice, consistent, solid whole that we, parts that we can build off of. And between this and the Bad Batch uh, season two, it really feels like they're, they're working this stuff out to make it a coherent whole. Whether we agree with it, whether we like it, all of that aside, can we, from a story standpoint, smooth things out? And it really feels like this is going a long way to do that. And if they can, I think that's great. Uh, it's really tough to do what they're doing because there are so many different creators involved. And so if they can, if they can smooth this, this master storyline out, I think that will be a feat to uh, very rarely be uh, repeated in future IP projects. Um, and if they can do it, then hats off to them. Uh, but as far as cloning itself goes, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot to offer there. I have an idea. How about the next time we make a trilogy? Maybe we don't make another trilogy, first of all. And the next time we make a Star Wars trilogy, because it's coming, we just don't rush it in a matter of a few years. And we just take our time yeah. and we let one vision happen and we don't make a one situation vision, where yeah. we need to fix it. Yeah. That would be lovely to me. Yeah. Although, you know, I think in the prequel trilogy, the fixing it, you know, the, the animated series and books and things like that were some of the best things in Star Wars. And I, I think sort of triggered an, a new age of deeper, more complex storytelling. So Sure, sure. I like, there's some silver lining to the hand being forced like that. Right. Yeah, yeah I guess, I guess the, the difference between the prequels and the sequels to me are that I always felt like, even though the prequels had a ton of weak points, they added something to the universe. They added this level of political intrigue, this level of, of th this level of fall, this level of anti-hero that I don't think that was quite there before. I don't really know what the sequel trilogy added, because really everything was a rehash of the original trilogy, except the only new idea was in the second one where Luke says the Jedi were flawed you know, you know, burn it down, basically. Right. And then all of a sudden, in, right. in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, we've just discarded that plot line. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my point is, I wish that the sequel trilogy had added something, had expanded the universe, made it feel bigger, and it did not. And I hope that The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, you know, uh, the Mando Endgame, whatever it is, these are Andor. works that can... <laughs> yeah, and Andor, you know, but, but listen... Andor enhances the original trilogy. It is not necessary to fix the, the original trilogy. That's the difference. That's true. Good point. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Right. But my point is, I, I, I hope that the next work they do makes it feel bigger. Yeah. And hopefully that's yeah. what we're going to get in, in Ahsoka. Because we've right. got the whole Thrawn thing. And where does Thrawn come from again? The uh, Outer Reaches or something? The Yeah. Chiss. The, yeah. the super Outer Reaches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some... <laughs> It has a name, and I can't remember. That, that zone. The um, unknown something. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. Somebody's going to write in and yell at us. But yeah, that's okay. there. That's fine. You know, that's, that's how we get feedback. We welcome it. <laughs> that's how we get our We're gonna have to, reviews. I think for... <laughs> I'm definitely going to need to look at some maps, some galactic maps to understand, because there's certainly uh, uh, things at play there in, in terms of where planets are and, and uh, 
where Thrawn comes from. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exegol is also, by the way, in this, um, unknown, oh, yeah. Unknown regions. Yeah. Unknown yeah. regions. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and Exegol, like they basically found it with the help of Thrawn in, in the, Oh, interesting. All, all okay. books. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really mm. hoping that Ahsoka is going to do that, John, which is what you're talking about is it's going to expand our universe for that. And, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm really excited to, to see more and, and learn more about these um, unexplored areas, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, y- unless you've got anything else, Elisa? Um, yeah. Well, I was just going to say about the cloning plot line. Um, yeah. I think we're going to, the next final season of Bad Batch is going to hopefully line a, a lot of that up. You know, we've yes. been set up where we have Nala say the Kaminoan, we have Omega's uh, new sister, um, the, the Dr. Carr. And yeah, they're at this Mount Tantis in Wayland. Um, and so, yeah, does that evolve into Project Necromancer? Or um, is this perhaps where Gideon gets his head start from? Um, why does force cloning work for him if it does? And yeah, what... Uh, what about Thrawn? You know, we mentioned that, and we have a lot of stuff coming from those original Timothy Zahn trilogy uh, of Thrawn books um, from back in the 90s. And one of them was that Thrawn played a, a role in the cloning. So it, might we see him pop up that way as well? Mm-hmm. Right. All right, John, any final thoughts on um, season three as, as a wrap? Otherwise, uh, I figured we could get into some feedback here after we take a break, but I uh-huh. want to make sure you have any uh, final thoughts. Oh, it I was the best of times. It was the medium of times. <laughs> at times. It was not the worst of times. And I'm glad of that. I okay. had a great time. Now, let's let Alicia say her other piece here. Okay. No, I was just going to ask uh, if you guys think we'll see the Gideon clones again or Crispy Gideon in a suit a la Anakin. <laughs> um, <laughs> or here's Is an- it spelled like Chris <laughs> P. Gideon? Oh, is that what his name tag is going to say? You yes. Know what I'm yes. His, his uh, middle name is P. P for petrified. <laughs> his middle name is P for Padme. Oof. Okay. Oh, she got a mention. <laughs> she got a mention, finally. That's, that's, that's my headcanon now. Yeah. There's also an internet theory flying around that the, uh, the Gideon that we saw get killed, that he was himself a clone. Right. And they say it's because he didn't have a mustache. Oh. So that's just, you know, the internet clinging to, because, you know, they might not want to lose Esposito. So what do you guys no, think I'm, the I'm, chances are? I'm over it. I'm over. Yeah. No. I'm over I'm that done. character. He comes once a season. He messes stuff up. It's kind of getting old, right? You do it three times. Yeah. I think that's your max. I think I think we need some some blue man group. Yeah, I think his, I think his arc is yeah. played. Uh, and, 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 and I want to be happy with that. Be done, move yep. on. You know, uh, good stories have beginnings, middle, and ends. Let's have an end to this story, uh, right. th- that storyline. So, but I'd like to see some more impact from whatever he was doing with the clothes. Sure, you that's know, I'd fair. like to see how that yeah links. Uh, that's fair. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get into considering some feedback from our listeners.
And we're back. First up, we've got Loremaster Patreon subscriber Peter O.H. by email. He writes in, hey, Lorehounds, great season of coverage. Thank you. I've also enjoyed the regular contributions from Alicia. So thank her also. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Direct thank you. This season, I thought the plot uh, writing was a lot tighter than in the past. I'm happy to watch Mando and Grogu whenever they show up in Expanded Universe and whatever they may be getting up to. But I really enjoyed the retaking of Mandalore arc, all eight episodes. As you guys have noted, this is Saturday morning type of show. Sometimes I think the writers strive to be a little bit more prestigious than that. And I can understand why that might irk some of the fandom. Not me, though. I think they do a reasonably good job of writing that line. This season, I really enjoyed the comic relief. The deadly seriousness of the Mandalorian factions is a great straight man to Grogu's childish antics. Din walking through Navarro with Terminator Grogu and the yes button on the repeat made me laugh out loud. Dizzy are marketing directly to the parents of toddlers with the scene. Also, Lizzo and Jack Black cameos were quite entertaining. Random observation, do you think that Carson Teva or someone else somehow engineered the situation where Din Djarin ended up with that specific R5 droid? Pelimoto really foisted it on Din when he visited our shop. It's probably not the case, but did it did serve as a plot point quite conveniently later in the series. For the finale, the aerial fight scenes were between uh, the aerial fight scenes between the Mandos and the Troopers was pretty epic. I was half expecting to see Grogu make his bones when he fought the Praetorian Guardsmen, but I suppose he's still very young, so maybe they wanted a slightly more fan family friendly sequence of events. We didn't see Moff Gideon's actual dead body, uh, 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 so I assume the character uh. is hold in a holding pattern until they decide to bring him back, question mark. Not thrilled with the gimmick, but Giancarlo Esposito is a top-class villain, so maybe I'll give them a pass on that. I like where the story left off. I'm sure there will be more episodes, but if there aren't, it's nice to picture Din and Grogu enjoying a life on Navarro. Lastly, I believe John promised us a new Bo-Katan song. <laughs> Both you guys are excellent podcasters, but I yeah, think it's over. Tr- true talent lies in creating short disc tracks. LOL. <laughs> Thanks and best regards, Man, Peter. I, I should have been, I should have been older in the '90s so I could participate in the East Coast West Coast <laughs> hip hop wars. Right. Well, Peter, thank you very much for being a, a Patreon subscriber and for being a, a all, all your contributions and, and emails. It's good stuff. Uh, Alicia, anything jump out uh, of his email? to you that you want to respond to? Uh, yeah, the the idea that Teva like somehow bribed uh, Pelimoto to force uh, R5. R5 onto uh, yeah, onto Mando, that's now my headcanon. So <laughs> <you for> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I I too feel like the uh, the aerial battle was pretty awesome. I when I was doing my outline, I screenshotted a picture uh when Bo uh lights up the the lightsaber and she sort of holds it two-handed in front of her as they're flying in and there was a great scene of um uh of the th- of the three women of uh Casca and Bo and the armorer flying in formation and it was just like oh yeah this is some badass Saturday morning stuff and and I did love that and uh yeah the retaking of Mandalore worked it it wasn't complicated it was pretty straightforward i i was pretty satisfied with the arc john thoughts yeah uh i thought it was a good season i thought that it wrapped up satisfactorily is that a word i think so and um 
well, it did not blow me away in the finale. I'll say that it was it was more actiony than plot driven, and that that at times does get a little tiring for me. I think that the season's chemistry works really well. I think that you are right, Peter Oh, that the writing was tighter this season in that it it felt like one cohesive arc instead of a bunch of side plots where we sometimes move the main plot along by happenstance. Right. And that is what I felt like season one was especially, and a little bit season two was especially the first half. So I'm happy with where Mando is going. I hope that it continues in this direction. I'm a little worried about this adventure of the week thing they're setting up for next season with They really set that up clearly, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. But maybe they'll have something to surprise us with, and I'll be excited for it. All right, let's move on to... Uh, Danny, who wrote in on the uh, Star Wars at the lorehounds.com email, says, Hey guys, day one, second ager here. Wow, that is like going all the way back to our OG. You know, we're almost one year old. We have a special announcement about that uh, in a little bit as well. Um, loving all the podcasts, keep it up. Never would have thought you would have me reading books from the 60s huh. that I'd never heard of before, but there we are. No regrets. <laughs> and that's relative to our uh, Earthsea trilogy. Uh, reading with, well, at quad, Quadrilogy with um, uh, Marilyn Arpaquila. Um, sa- continues, last show, John briefly mentioned having an animated show set in the OT era to fill in the gaps between the movies, which of course would be awesome. Problem is that this has been the main focus of the comics since 2015, when they started publishing comics that were part of the new canon. There's usually three or four ongoing series, plus crossovers and limited series going on all the time that are set in this time period ever since. Um, 2015 to 2020 were between A New Hope and Empire, and since 2020, they have been between Empire and Return of the Jedi. There'd be no room for an animated series with these same characters for the comics to remain canon. They would have to adapt the comics straight up, or have you believe all the characters were always doing unrelated things concurrently, neither of which are things that Star Wars does? I guess that was a long-winded way to uh, get to saying that the comics are really good! Exclamation point. Uh-huh. If anyone likes reading comics but hasn't read them, I strongly suggest checking them out. They're published by Marvel, and they give the Star Wars stuff to the best writers. Here's hoping the, Manan- the Mando finale was great. It's been a fun season to watch. Cheers, Danny. Thanks, Danny. John, uh, thoughts? If you think Dave Filoni would pause for a second before retconning the entire (laughs) comic book run, you are mistaken, sir. This is, he would not bat an eye. He'd go, oh yeah, I like these three ideas from that 17 year run. I'll take those and I'll make my own series and uh, everything else going to completely contradict that. Yeah, he'd do that. He'd do that any day. So, well, I am sure that the comics are great, as you're saying, and perhaps I will read them someday. I would not make that a reason for Dave Filoni (laughs) to go forward with an animated series that completely changes them. Alicia, have you been uh, keeping up on the comic stuff? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I've kept up on it all, although that's a a work in progress. But I do think... um, and this this era is actually where I'm least um, versed. But there are characters there, like, for instance, especially Dr. Afra, who's dead, I think, by the time of the Mandalorian series. Um, but she's like a huge, interesting character in the comic books. And I know a lot of people would love to see her, I don't know, in something animated or live action or just, you know, in moving pictures. Right. Well, and this is where um, I just, 
I do like the Star Wars IP world um, in its similarity to, to the Marvel world where we do. We have book. Well, I, and I don't think in Marvel we have books like we have in Star Wars, do we? So we're missing. Well, no, and it's. And also the big difference is that um, in Star Wars, they're meant to all be in the same universe, you know, whereas mm -hmm. in Marvel, the comics are a different universe. Right, right. We have Universes. different timelines and different Earths and different, uh, yeah, yep. we have a whole yeah, multiverse thing going on. Yeah, and like the comics are Earth 616, and I'm, I'm calling it uh, the movies, the MCU is Earth 1999. Right. That's kind of controversial. <laughs> right. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but it, within Star Wars, like, you know, Filoni retconning aside, they're all supposed to be telling the same story together, um, not contradicting each other, although sometimes they do. Right. All right, let's move on. Uh, we've got JM, a.k.a. Gong J on our Discord. Qui-Gon. What are you Dark doing, man? Galadriel. <laughs> Galadriel. <laughs> All right. Yes, I am. I'm a notorious mispronouncer. Um, says hello there. Let me begin by saying that I love the action-packed adventure of the finale. I very much enjoyed it while eating cereal from the couch at 6 a.m. A lot of the ideas I formulated in my about spies and deception turned out to be a bust. But once I got past my preconceived notions, the second watch through really hit me emotionally. Uh, and that's just reference on the Discord. Folks were having a great time theory crafting about the title of the episode, The Spies, plural. And could it have been Axe? Could it have been the, the Survivors? Could it have been the Armorer? People were, there were like paragraphs being written there of, of theory uh, crafting. I think, Alicia, you were theory crafting pretty, along with oh, the, yeah. the best of no. everyone. Oh, I, I definitely was putting it on the Armorer. <laughs> <laughs> she was getting a lot of shade. She's All like, right, what? I'm just standing here. Yes. <laughs> in trying to forge your weapons. You're like, just the, the least grateful people <coughs> who, who receive my Tell products me your name. of all time. No, here's, okay, here's your next song, John. Tell me your name, Armour. <laughs> who are you? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Tell okay. me your backstory. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Uh, say my name, say my name. That's it. Name. That's it. It's already, I can hear it. It's coming. Say your name, say your name. Yeah. So what is it? Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon Jin. Qui-Gon We're talking, we're talking about, uh, about, Liam know, Neeson. Yeah. You're going to disrespect the Neeson? <laughs> well, no, I'm not because we're, uh, <clears throat> we've got a project in the works that we're going to announce at the end of the podcast. And so uh, I'm going to have plenty of experience with that before the year is out, I suspect. Um. Mm. Anyway, Jay continues, the jetpacking action and multiple fight scenes were visibly incredible, and I can definitely see where they put a chunk of their budget. As far as the season as a whole, I feel I can sum it up uh, as a wonderful buffet of Star Wars. Mandos, battle droids, Coruscant, Imperials, freaking Kelleran Beck, aka Ahmed Best, ex triple exclamation point. Did I love every item in the buffet? Of course not. Did I take to Twitter and tell everyone about all the stuff on the buffet that I didn't prefer? Again, of course not. There were things I loved and the things that uh, other people loved, and that is absolutely wonderful. I find it difficult to complain about getting so much content after growing up with only the OT and later EU books. Never would I have thought that we'd have so much high-quality content 
that people would actually bitch about it. I feel fortunate to have lived in the time of Disney plus Star Wars. Peace, Jay. Thank you, Jay. And thanks for being such a great um, person on the Discord. You, you've always got great stuff to say and an interaction. So, you know, thanks for being a great community member over there. Um, May you meet uh, a better faith. May you be, <laughs> meet a better fate than your namesake. Yes. That's no. For sure. uh, Alicia, thoughts? Might be just as wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he put it nicely, especially with like a wonderful buffet of Star Wars. I think, you know, it's always been, Star Wars has always been a blend of different things. And this season was the epitome of that. Yeah. Jay, uh, uh, Jay, John, whatever your name is, who are, who are you? John, my podcast? Jingle, Jingle, Quiet John. His name was my name too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm quite, quite John. Lore count. All right. All right. It's All right gone. We're stretching it's gone. this one. We're stretching it. It's gone. It's gone. Uh, yes, I really enjoyed it. Again, the, the fan service is out of control and in the best way. Yeah, I mean, th- that's what this show is, right? We have our fan service bucket and then we have our Andor bucket. And let's yep. not mix them. We like them separate. You know, we it's it's like different courses of the same meal. They can all right. be great, but you don't need everything to be dessert. Mandalorian is dessert. No, the the salad fact, buffet is uh, is on the by itself where everything's chilled and cold and kept f- crisp and fresh. Where the steam okay. trays are over there and the the pizza is over underneath the hot lights. Don't call Andor salad. Let's not <laughs> let's not make Andor salad. But it, Andor Andor it's has filling some meat and nutritious. To it. it is new filling and nutritious. Right. Yeah, it's totally right, but it's right. totally the table where the guy's cutting the things for you fresh and putting it on your all plate right. for you. All right, all right. I I like to think of Andor as. Uh, no, I don't have a good metaphor for that. All but right. I think that the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, you're going to hibachi. You know, you ask for what you want. The chef's putting on a big show while he's handing it to you. He's like, hey, hey, here you go. And, uh, and, and that's what you got with the Mandalorian. He'll give you whatever you want. And that's what Dave, Dave Filoni's doing. He says, you know what? You want to hear this name? We're going to give it to you. You want a live action Lasat? Here you go. Have fun with it, guys. <laughs> Let's all watch Star Wars and eat our sugary cereal. That's right. All right, so to round out our, our uh, feedback, we've got Lorehound Patreon subscriber David M, a.k.a. Davey Mac, on our Discord. And um, he didn't enjoy the series as much, and he wrote in his thoughts. I encouraged him to, because I really wanted to hear his take. He's always got good stuff to say, and, and um, so thanks, Davey Mac, for writing in. He says, hi, John and Dave. Just wanted to write in and share my thoughts. Um, I said in the Discord already, but both the finale and the season as a whole left me feeling cold. The whole thing just felt like a first draft that needed a lot more time in the oven before going into production. I mean, all the story beats are there on paper. You've got the Mandalorians all dispersed, arguing among themselves about a real home. And over, on the, uh, and over the course of the season, they'll find a way to unite and win back their home from the man who betrayed them and destroyed their planet. You've got the New Republic intrigue and whisperings in the darkness of the Outer Rim, where the remnants of the Empire remain working in the shadows to undermine the New Republic, plus some interesting side plots around droids and personhood. Yes, that is something we did not really touch on, but that is a good point. And a lot of this stuff looks neat on paper. But then they didn't actually take the time to get me emotionally invested in any of it. I really did like the two kids playing with their action figures. It was a lot of, and then this happens, and wouldn't it be cool if this, and then then, and then this without building any tension or forward momentum. And I didn't really get to know any of the Mandalorians well enough to really care about them. Even Bo, who I liked, had the most important things in her story happen off screen. 
Let us actually see the conflict between her and her followers and the blow up that eventually leads them to abandoning her. Then we would have an actual wait in tension when they inevitably meet again. Or the survivors on Mandalore. Why not spend some time getting to know them before ultimately crossing paths with our heroes? I, I want to pause there. Davy Mac, I know what is happening to you. You are watching Rebels. You are right in the middle of it. You're watching the <laughs> best character development in all of Star Wars. Maybe Andor's a little better. I don't know yet because it's not over yet. But Rebels, so far, is the best complete series as far as character development goes in Star Wars. And now you're watching The Mandalorian, and you are starving for character development because we've got the guy in the mask and we've got the puppet, and they're not developing quite a lot at all. So I get it, Davy Mac, and I hope that you get a little bit more next season. Maybe Grogu will say one word and you'll be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that he points out something interesting, which is Mandalorian's kind of like a series of vignettes almost, you know, where Mm. you just get little glimpses rather than... Like, this is one of the more, this is the season that had the more um, serialized story, but still, you're just getting little insights here or there, rather than uh, seeing, you know, Bo-Katan go through all of the things. And maybe they should strike that balance differently, maybe. Right. Uh, He's got a whole paragraph on Moff Gideon, and I think we've kind of touched that already on Moff Gideon being a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, So I'm going to jump down to the next paragraph where he says, my favorite episode of the season was episode three with Pershing and Kane. That episode had real character development and forward momentum. The scenes built off each other and there was a real tension. And the twist at the end made sense. It felt inevitable, but I was surprised. Yet, despite my love of that episode, I can't help but think that the season would have been better served had they used that time instead to explore the more central characters and factions to get me invested in that final showdown. They only had eight episodes, and now that I've seen the whole arc of the season, I feel like they wasted time on things that weren't relevant to the main story they were trying to tell, which pains How me to say. How dare you slander Jack Black <laughs> like that? He says, which pains me to say, because the best parts of the season for me were the parts that didn't ultimately connect to the main story. Thoughts? Hmm. Come! Um, That's the Jack Black line that got me. As soon as he said that, I was ready to go. But yes, uh, I, I do agree. Some of the more fun things in the season were the ones that were sort of side arcs. You know, the, I think you mentioned the the droids. You know, getting humanized a little bit. You know, more than in the D Squad arc, even in Clone Wars. If you know what that is, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it certainly was not really a big character moment at the end when Grogu saves everybody because he's already done that right that's something that Grogu's already done the the biggest thing is watching Moff Gideon destroy himself but he's been in what four episodes right I, it's uh I get it I get your complaints and I hear them and I they don't bother me as much but I think that they're very legitimate I'm gonna jump down a little bit further and uh, lastly while I do agree that the space battles and vehicle stuff looked great I think that the rest of the show looked pretty cheap None of the sets felt real. The costumes felt like they were fresh off the rack and plastic. It all felt Star Wars cosplay and not the real deal. Except for the weird, grievous-looking creature, that thing was incredible. Uh, I don't disagree with this. Like, running around in the uh, tunnels here at the last episodes, it did. It felt like um, uh, some old retread original Star Trek episodes, you know, styrofoam rock wall uh, type stuff, where the CGI was flawless and and beautiful. So yeah, there was a little bit of an uh, imbalance. Alicia, any thoughts on the production values? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that actually that was improved over prior seasons. Okay. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that they lean more practical with, you know, the costumes of characters and stuff. But, you know, like the costume of, uh, like, the frog lady mm-hmm. or even or even Queel, you know, I thought, you know, they looked very fake. And this season I saw less of that. Maybe they leaned more on CGI this time. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, there, there was a... It, I will say that there's a lot of complex stuff happening here because we had the volume, we had practical sets, we had puppets, we had Mm -hmm. uh, practical costumes, we had CGI interlacing, you know, whatever, you know, if they did any blue green screen stuff, and then straight CGI. Right. Like the Super Battle Droid looked amazing. Right. Right. I mean, we, we had never seen one that looked that good in the original, the prequels. Right. The flaming uh, cruiser as it was coming down into Mandalore, like, wow, that was awesome. The flames and the coming yeah. through the clouds, that stuff was really great. So, yeah, uh, there was a lot going on. Anyway, let's wrap up uh, Davey's email. It says, I really wish I enjoyed the show much as you and others in the Discord. I kind of feel like I'm on the outside looking in at you all having a great time. No, you're not. You're with us. Even though you may not be vibing the same, you're still on the inside, so don't feel outside. I'm glad you're able to put your PJs on, grab a big old bowl of cereal, and just roll with it. But honestly, I've been watching a bunch of actual Saturday morning cartoons recently with my (laughs) kids, a few of which were also in the Star Wars universe. And I gotta say, some of them are better written and more fun than this show has been this season. Shots fired. Is Bad Batch better than Bando? Let's debate it here. Go, Alicia, you get first pick. Mm. Oof. I mean, I, it's hard to say because you know what? People were complaining about a lot of the same things with Bad Batch where they're like some of the episodes I thought were the most fun. People are like, oh, there's a filler episodes. So it seems like more of a fandom complaint than anything. Um, and, and, and Star Wars fans are notoriously fickle. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're two different because it's funny because Bad Batch is the actual cartoon, but in some ways, sometimes it's less cartoonish yeah, than yes. Mando. Yeah, it is. Agreed. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Bad Batch. This was a, a killer season. You know, they really ended strong in Bad Batch. So mm-hmm. maybe I have to give it to them. I have David. to give it to Mando uh, because we had a really tight story arc. Eight episodes. We moved through where. Um, Bad Batch was like all over the place, literally in the universe, in the galaxy, mm-hmm. going to this planet, going to that planet. And it was great. And I loved it. And I enjoyed every episode. And I didn't feel like I had a cohesive direction that the season was going, where Mando was a real tight eight. Yeah, there was a Pershing thing and a couple of other things. Um, I can fit them in. And then when we got to the end, we got to the end. They retook Mandalore. Boom. That was a, a very clear thing that they started out at the beginning of this, this season. So I got to go with Mando. You know, I really liked Bad Batch. I thought it was a great season. Agreed. But you know what Mando had that Bad Batch didn't? It made me want to Focus become on, Weird yeah. Al and <laughs> write songs. Like, that's how hype I was week to yeah. week. And I didn't get that with right. Bad Batch. I wasn't like... Yeah. You know, Fair. I wouldn't watch it right away. I would watch it after, when it was convenient for me. Agreed, Meanwhile, same thing. Mando same thing. was like, 
as soon as it was available, Boom. I had to watch it. I had to six a.m. happening. Right, that, right. Grab oh, my phone. I, I beat you there. I beat you yeah. to that one, but that's because yes, did. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you but know what I mean. Is is it, it really did get me to a hype level that Bad Batch did not get me to. Whereas I do think that the Bad Batch writing was stronger sometimes, but writing hasn't always been the centerpiece of Star Wars. In fact, it never has been. I mean, really, no. the the production, the fun, the the heist, the actors, the chemistry, that's been the core of Star Wars at the, from the beginning. And I do think that Mando does all those things except the writing better than Bad Batch does. Well, I think this brings up one of like the question that I'm always asking is being good, does that mean that it's qualitatively good? In which case I think Bad Batch wins or is it that you enjoy it more? In which case I would give it to Mando also. Um, so which yeah, it, it depends what we're measuring, but I guess at the end of the day, uh, it's true. I was watching Mando episodes before Bad Batch every time. Not to segue too far off on that that question of enjoyment versus you know quality of production, but when I was doing my rankings for 2022 last year, that's what I had to end up doing in my little idiosyncratic uh, uh, ranking system. Was there's one scale for industry input? Did it break the mold in the industry? Did it have high production values? Did it have good actors who were really doing their jobs? And then next to that, what's my enjoyment factor? Um, I loved The Last of Us, but I had a lot more fun watching Mando. So if two shows are relatively equal in one thing, there's my own personal subjective, like John saying, boy, you know, up early, watching it as soon as I, as soon as the episode drops. Um, and just being hype about it. And yeah, I, I, I think Mando for me gave me a lot of that fun. All right. Um, let's finish up, uh, Davy Max email here. It says, thanks for bearing with, with me in this long, probably overly negative sounding email. And this is just the short version. I had more to say on the various <laughs> droid characters and comparisons to characters and plots from season one and two, but I've already taken up a lot of time. So I'll wrap it up. Thanks for your coverage. It's been fun listening along and participating with the Discord, even if I wasn't enjoying the actual show as much. I still like this a lot better than Book of Boba and Obi-Wan, and I'll definitely be back for next season, hoping that I'll enjoy it more. In the meantime, I'm really excited for some other Star Wars projects coming down the pipe, and I'm looking forward to hearing you guys talk about them. All the best, Davy M, Davy Mac on the Discord. Davy M, thank you so much for writing in. I, I'm really glad that you were able to offer a little bit of a counterbalance. We really do try to be a uh, well-reasoned podcast and a well-reasoned group of people, except John can be a little irreverent at times, but you know. I have uh, no, you know, listen, no, I, I have no qualms <laughs> being a hype machine here. That's I'm true. having so much fun, and I, yeah. I like to think that we've cultivated a, a community that yes. has sort of come aboard the hype train with me because right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do see that on Twitter. I see a lot of that negativity, right? Of, of Lizzo comes on there like, why would you do that? Why would you spend time on this? We just want to get to Mandalorian. You know what? Like I, I, I'm having fun guys. We're, we're, we're having fun and that's okay. It's okay to let go. And I'm glad that we're here. Yeah. I'm glad that we're on this train together. I'm glad that we've had this community where we can, talk about this every week and where the disagreements can be respectful, like with yeah, Mac, exactly. instead of just whining, exactly. which is what I see yeah. on Twitter and what I don't like to see at all, because it's just not fun, right? It's not, this is a universe that is built for entertainment. It's not a science project. And I'm right. glad that 
we've we've found a way, at least I, I think that we as as podcasters have found a way to sort of move past our inhibitions of, you know, we're not 12 years old, we're not in our PJs, we're not eating cereal, and uh, and sort of try what? to put ourselves what? in that place. Who's not doing that? <laughs> right, right. Sorry. You know what I mean, though, is, is I, yeah, yeah, I do yeah. think that, that well. it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, too. If you go in wanting to have a good time, you're probably going to have a better time than if you want to nitpick, and I'm glad that we were able to do the former in this season. Right. And I think that's the kind of community that we're trying to foster and create a space for, where we can be critical, we can critique and be critical without being negative and throwing rotten tomatoes at, at stuff or, or just sort of sniping at the show for, for sniping sake. And yeah, that's not, not, right. not fun. And that's not the kind of uh, space that I want to be in. Um, and that's and not to, to that, say that criticism is invalid either. That's, no, no. You know, criticism, criticism is always valid. But it's yeah. got to be based in reality and not just, eh, that's not my Star Wars, you know, like not, right. not the vibe check. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and yeah. to, to bring it all uh, to a close and to wrap it around, I think one of the things that has really helped us this season is having Alicia there with us, sending in her voice memos and dropping the knowledge in the Discord. So, Alicia, thank you so very much for all of that. I think you've really added a lot to this community. And <laughs> I'm having some feels right now. I just want to say thank you. It's been great to have you here, and I hope we get to have you more in our community. I think we've got some things that were... We just recorded a uh, Marvel episode with Jean that you were able to drop in on, and, and hopefully we're going to keep building uh, around those kinds of things. Where can folks find you, and what kinds of projects are you up to uh, on your end of things right now? Uh, yeah, well... First of all, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, I've really enjoyed being a part of the community, you know, on on Discord and uh, and being able to share my thoughts and, and join you guys here. Um, if people are interested in seeing more from me, I drop all of my you know geek culture thoughts on Twitter at Alicia CB. I'm on Instagram too, um, same tag. And um, I've also just recently started a podcast covering the Silo show on Apple TV Plus, a dystopic sci-fi thriller. So if you're curious about that, uh, check it out. It's called Wool Shift Dust, a Silo TV podcast. Awesome. Congratulations. It's a, it's a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> Podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, learning the audio production side uh, from scratch. So that's an, uh, an interesting educational experience. <laughs> Great. Well, hopefully cool. we can listen along uh, as you yeah. uh, develop that podcast and, and congratulations on doing that. And yeah, like I said, we'll, we're hoping to have you uh, uh, around on some more of our productions coming up. I know I guess you're a big wheel of time Stan as well. So hopefully I don't know what wheel yeah. what do what do wheel of time people call themselves? I'm a mem I'm a member of Twitter of Time. So that's like a, a big wheel of time community. Yeah. So cool. So sh shout out mm -hmm. to Twitter of Time hashed. Nice. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah. Well, thanks again, Alicia, so much. And uh in the spirit of giving thanks, I would also we would also like to uh give thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers. Um, it's a big deal that we have your guys' support. And for our Loremaster patrons, we always like to give a quick shout out. So, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, S C, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, 
Frederick H., Sarah L., Gareth C., and our newest two lore masters, Eric F. and Matthew M. Uh, thank you so very much for all of your support. We really appreciate it. It means a, a lot to us. John, speaking of patrons, we have a little bit of an idea cooking up. This will be the first time that we're actually talking about this. So do you want to give folks an idea of what we've been thinking? Yeah, you know, we are just, right, we're coming right up to a year of podcasting, a year since our first release, at least. Yeah, we've been working Amazing. on this for more than a year, but uh, our first release, I believe, was on July 11th. That was our first full episode. That was the prologue episode of The Second Age. And we, we have just gotten so much support and love from you guys since, and we appreciate that. And so we're, what we're trying to do is we're gonna, trying to grow for our second year. And so we want to get to 100 Patreon subscriptions by, our, by, by the end of our first year. And right now, I think we're at 68, which, again, amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm blown away by anybody wanting to support us. So thank you so much to everyone who does already. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's our goal is to get to 100. And I think we're going to do a little reward for everyone who is part of that first 100 group. Right, David? Yeah, I don't want to announce it just yet. When we get into more future episodes, I want to get some details locked down, but I'm talking with our merch expert, and we have a cool little thank you gift for everyone who is an active subscriber by the end of the month of July. So if you're subscribed through July as one of our first hundred, and even if we go over a hundred, uh, everyone who is subscribed at that time is we're going to send a free thank you gift um, that I think is going to be fun and I think people will enjoy. But I don't want to say anything just yet because I want to get all the details locked down and I don't want to um, uh, mess with people's expectations. Fair but, enough. Well, um, well, let's at yeah. least seed the hype. Let's seed yes. the hype here. Speaking exactly. of hype. Uh, you know, May the 4th is a, a lovely day for Star Wars fans around the world. Unfortunately, it's a Thursday this year. But on Saturday, May the 6th, we're going to be celebrating May the 4th with a Star Wars film fest. We're going to be screening uh, in our Discord server. We're going to be watching together with with text chat. We're not going to talk over it. We're just going to do text chat with it. And maybe, maybe do a little chatter up front and at the end. Uh, a New Hope, but not really A New Hope, Star Wars, the 1977 version, without the special edition stuff. We want to watch it with you. We want to watch it with our Discord members, and we are going to have so much fun talking about that and, and talking about all the, all the practical effects that are still in there instead of CGI Jabba and all that jazz. So I'm looking forward to it. Han shot first, and you will see. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, have some more details uh out about that um we i'm pretty sure we've got some technical things to work out but i'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty straightforward i'll be able to play the movie do a screen share in discord we'll have a special channel set up for that uh like john said we may do um some live chat uh in front of it and at the end of it but then we'll just watch the movie and everybody can uh chat together in the text chat part of that um and, and i think it'll be fun and that is actually going to light the forge, as you will, if you want to get silly like that and, and pull in Mando references here. But we are going to be launching a Star Wars film fest. We're going to watch all nine movies and we're going to podcast about them. You guys asked and we are going to deliver. Yep. Schedule to be determined. Yeah, we got we to work out some scheduling details. But yes, we are going to watch all nine movies from one through nine in that order 
and we will have one podcast each about uh, each of those films. Very cool. I'm excited to get into that, David. I feel like you haven't watched the prequels in a long time. I've watched them in more a long recently, time. but I've neglected the sequels recently. And now I kind of want to go back now that I have some more Bad Batch, some more Mandalorian, and uh, soon to be some Ahsoka. Yeah, and I think that's where I'm looking forward to it, too, because both with the prequels and the sequels, I had a different context for these movies. I was looking for that four, five, six vibe, you know, the, this, the original 77 movie, the ups and downs of Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I didn't get those from the first three and the last three, but they're different movies. And so I want to be able to take them on their own terms and to be able to contextualize the not so great writing and, you know, the whatever CGI stuff, but really look into the deep lore and appreciate what was being built uh, in those now that we've got this wider universe to understand it within. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, a fun and interesting um, exercise. Absolutely. So am I. So just a couple quick promos here for other things. Uh, we have a Silmarillion Stories episode coming out on Monday, the 24th of April with uh, That's What I'm Talking About. Uh, we have Mary Clay from That's What I'm Talking About, another Tolkien podcast talking about of Thingol and Melian. That's going to be a great conversation. And keep your eye out for more Ted Lasso episodes weekly. And on Saturday, April 29th, if you're into the MCU, if you want more mouse content, uh, check out our prep episode for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That one doesn't have me. That one I get to just listen to in the audience with y'all. Uh, with uh, That's David, Jean, and actually Alicia joined you for that one. So that should be... She brings in a death draft for uh, who's going to make it out alive. Oh, wow. From, uh, Guardians 3. Yeah. I'm cool. excited. I'm excited. Can I just hang a, a quick note on something you did? You and Brandon the Bard just completed your first two... Uh, series podcast for Lorehounds Play talking about Absolutely. The Last of Us games. And then we've got a mm, going to have another one of those podcasts out next month with uh, what title are you guys going to be working on for that one? We are going to be playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is a canon Star cool. Wars video game. So if you're a fan of nice. this, you might like that. The sequel comes out just a few days from this podcast. So okay. we're not playing the sequel. We're playing the first one, but we probably will play the sequel at some point. But this is stuff to we're trying to go deep on on games that are not just fresh out there, you know. And so yes. I hope that you'll all join us for that. Write in for sure at uh, TLP at the if you want to get feedback in for Jedi Fallen Order. If you are a Star Wars fan and a video game fan. All right. I'll be working on the May schedule in the next week or so. So we'll have updates out for the end of the month on what May will look like. But, um, John, uh, this has been a great season, a fun, I won't say great. That's a, let me, let me rephrase that. This has been a really fun season of television to watch it Mandalorian, it has. uh, season three with you. Thanks so much to Alicia and to everyone who's written in and who has commented on our discord and given a listen to this podcast. Thank you guys all so much. John, uh, final wrap up thoughts. This is the way. This is the way. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. 
A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>